gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence. From Riverwalk Studio, this is the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the cube, the cube, the cube, the cube, the cube. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 83 of the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer podcast. I'm your host, Dan. And I'm Brendan. Brendan, it is Greenskin Palooza Day. It is. And we are going to talk about the new Orc Warclans Battle Tome. Yes, sir. So this is a rewrite of the previous Orc Warclans Battle Tome with the addition of the new Cruel Boys sub-faction, or sorry, Allegiance, and all the new War Scrolls therein. Okay. Pretty straightforward. We're going to talk before we start kind of how we're going to handle this. Again, so people get used to the how we're going to handle the new books because it's a little bit different than we've done before. We'll talk about that at the beginning of Lies, listeners. And other than that, we've got a couple of interesting announcements in Whispers. Got uh, some interesting discussion in Scriptorium. And then the other thing we are going to do, just as a reminder, is because we are doing this on Sunday, if there is any news... While we are recording, that will be announced at the beginning of the show close. The beginning of the end. Yes. So At the end of the beginning, <laughs> which is now. Either one. So that's where we will announce anything that we see that comes up on Sundays during the announcements. Left of the middle. Left of the middle or yeah. right, right of the center. Right of the center. Or left of the center or wherever forward, it is. Forward of the back. <laughs> Doing good. Yeah, okay. All right, then uh, one other thing. I want to make a quick announcement, Brendan, to friend of the show, Kenny. Kenny, your package is on the way. You may very well receive it as you're listening to the podcast. And if it doesn't fit your needs, let me know, and we will make adjustments accordingly. But I wanted wow, to let you know. the show announcement. After. <laughs> Kenny's a good friend of the show, so I want to let him know. And it's been several weeks since we spoke about this, so I wanted him to know it was on the way. Uh, all right. With that, let us move on to Whispers from the Warp. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Brennan, it's hobby time for Melnick, man. Yep. So I've been painting uh, Cruel Boys. Oh, shocked. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Right. Between the last show and here, I finished up the Unit of 20 Cruel Boys. I painted the... Break a boss on Sludraker. Nice. Good. So that was, was pretty nice. Put some time and effort into the boss on Vulture. I think that's it for those. The I boss on Vulture, not the not main character. Crack, okay, no. not the games. Okay. No, the, okay. the kill a boss on Vulture. Okay. I started working on some basing. Yeah, I think that's... And I think you mentioned last time you're kind of doing an Arctic... Yeah, so they're gray in terms of skin color. The purple cloth with copper armor and some weathering elements to it on the same arctic basing i used for my slaves to darkness and the little bit of ko that i started yes you know from that uh start collecting box challenge thing that you know was part of at the start of the year you know it's coming together right you know we're it's a start i have more hobgrots than i think anybody <laughs> could possibly want there's that i guess sure oh yeah yeah um <laughs> that'll be a few evenings <laughs> Yeah, and otherwise just, you know, building some cruel boys and, sure. and doing that kind of stuff. So Coolio. Yeah, awesome-ness. you know, it's I'm going to leave here and I've got a couple of bases I know I need to paint in the very short term. So that'll be my okay. Sunday while we're watching football. You know, hopefully we'll get out early enough where I'll be able to catch the back half of the burst game. Of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Bears. 
Stop, Bears. I was just watching. That's my. Saturday so Night this Live. is my other uh, character that we can <laughs> no, get into no, here on the show. Don't do this. It is Super Chicago Man. <laughs> I was just watching like three or four of the skits from Saturday Night Live, and it had those guys on it. Like this is such a great memory. It was just so cool. They had Michael Jordan on one of them. They had uh, a couple of other people, like you know the guest star walk-in thing. Mm. They were doing something like outdoors. I think they were doing a tailgater or something, and Brett Favre walked up. And it was hilarious. It was just so funny. Yeah, so the thing that people don't understand, they say that's a character, all right? I grew up with people like that. Those are real people in and around the city of Chicago. And their favorite thing to argue about is not sports. It is where things are on streets in the city of Chicago. It is their favorite thing to do. My father and my uncles, face. all they do you is they talk about... You guys need to see about, his face. He's loving this, by the way. I'm going to let him go, but... <laughs> all they do is when they're talking about somewhere where they were 30 years ago is where that was in relationship to some other building several blocks away. And they have arguments about this. Arguments about yeah, of course. this. Of course. Those are real people. And I would read this battle tome like this if I could. I don't think I can. Can't keep it up. That's great. So my hobby is like super boring compared to that. That was entertaining at least. I finished both building and priming both units of 10 dire wolves. Mm -hmm. So that's all finished. Ready to dry brush the hell out of those guys because that's what I'm going to do. And I also got three Vanguard Paladors. What a strange choice, Dan. I got three of those built and primed. And I also got a Knight Judicator with his Griffhounds. Another strange choice. Wow. What's that about? Anyway. (laughs) I'm sure we're going to find out here in At some point in the future. (laughs) No, actually not. I do have a list as well, a thousand points for sure, Soul Blight list. And I actually have, I think it's 1,975 points Soul Blight list that I'll show you later that I came up with. I don't think it's competitive at all, but it just is themey as hell. And that's what I'm going for here. So uh, we'll have to see how that works out. Got a few things done and going to continue to work on stuff. I know I've got a couple boxes coming from landmine he's got a couple things coming for me i got a corpse cart hopefully that he has been able to get his hands on because i've been waiting forever for those things yeah they're hard to find yeah so hopefully he's found one of those and a couple of other things that are coming my way so that's my hobby okay and speaking of hobby i wanted to make an announcement on the show a couple new things from army painter which are both very very interesting you either are or are not an Army Painter fan, you've used their stuff or you've tried their stuff, or maybe you've never tried their stuff. I am a big Army Painter fan. I use their their masterclass dry brushes were really, really good. Yeah. Those are awesome. And I've used rattle cans forever because as most of you know, I can't airbrush here where I live. I've never had issues with their rattle cans and I've used all of their paints successfully. But they have announced two new product lines. One is actually going to be released this coming Friday, October, Saturday, October 23rd, which is really cool. They're going to have their own airbrush line now Hmm. of paints. They have a 10 color starter set for like $40. So it's only $4 for 18 mils, which is really good. And then they've got or 60 colors for $180, which is a really good price. If you want to go for something bigger, there are plenty of reviews for this on YouTube. If you want to go there or somewhere else, people have tried them in there. You can actually see what they look like coming out of the airbrushes. They talk about... Now, if you had an airbrush, is this something that you would, I would. be interested? Okay. Yes, just because I have a lot of credibility with 
Army Painter. Mm-hmm. I mean, they really have proved to me that they're a good product. So I would probably jump on that. Okay. For sure. The other thing that's not coming out till February, and this is really interesting, is what they're calling speed paints. And they are... I wonder if these are contrast That's exactly what they are. Okay. So this is going to how, be... First off, how dare they? Yeah, contrast paints are more than just for speed painting. There is a lot of right. like actual, very high-end oh, sure. technical applications that mm-hmm. you can do with those paints. Right. They are an awesome paint, easy to use, difficult to master kind Mm -hmm. of a thing. Sure. How dare they? Yes, of course. And so they've, again, on YouTube and I'm sure other places, they've had reviews. You can see what they look like on models. They look great. And everybody has said that they apply very evenly. They're, They're really good product from what they have used. The price point per milliliter is actually going to be significantly less, just like the regular paints are significantly less than, let's say, a comparable Citadel paint. Mm-hmm. Not that those aren't great paints, too. But it's just something else for people to look at, and it's going to come out in February. At least that's what they're marketing. I think I'm going to give those a try for sure because I'm not a big contrast painter. I'm mostly a dry brusher. But I think this may give me some opportunities to do some things. And obviously, if you're into GW Citadel contrast, you're going to stick with that because it's something you work with and something you use and enjoy and you've become good at using probably a lot of you. But this is just another option and something else to consider in terms of a source for your paint. I'm pretty excited for Army Painter. I think that's great because they put out some pretty decent stuff. So we got no samples, by the way. It's just an announcement. So we got no benefit here. As Dan stares at the 240 paints he has yeah. on the kitchen counter, yeah. which is definitely real, and and you have to believe me. Yeah. <laughs> New stuff coming out. We got Black Templar's Omni, Army Box. Omni Box. Omni Box. <laughs> it is kind of an Omni Box. You do get everything. You do. Boss Bunker for orcs and this is 40k stuff two war rigs which both look pretty cool they're that's a dual kit right right because there's two different war rigs basically a big clunky it's a big squig thing and is hauled by a squig yeah yeah instead of a truck or something i'm excited to see those converted into the age of sigmar side that would be pretty cool i'm sure folks are gonna turn them into all sorts of stuff expensive conversion but very cool it'd be cool if he could do it yeah and then pain doc he's out too so those things are all up for grabs the pre-order for 40k is the warzone octarius which is the new crusade mm-hmm. venue in 40k so that's there on the sigmar side we got hero deep and there are 10 war bands up for pre-order now these war bands are ones that you've all seen before yep these are there's nothing new here they just don't have the it's, cards they're just recycling them in a way and they're up for pre-order as well as hero deep which is that new as we said before it's the uh, new season of warhammer yep, Underworlds, which is good i believe so. this is season four there are you know review videos for it and stuff like that i have a couple of friends who are really into underworlds and they said that this is probably one of the more significant changes to the game okay i don't know it in a familiarity sense well enough but they were certainly impressed with some of depth of changes that are okay. are going to be headed that direction so well, we'll see if you're interested go watch some review videos and check it out you know there's it sounds like there's more than there's really ever been in terms of what the game's availability is the thing that frustrates me with this release is, for some reason, it is nearly double the price of mm. other previous starter boxes. It's about $200, isn't it? Yeah, that's a lot. crazy. For that scale of game, yes. Yeah. Yep, yep. All right, so that's stuff that's out or soon to be out. Uh, games played. So other than Sigmar, I've still continued to be frustrated at Old World, <laughs> which I, I keep getting in second place. I cannot get... A first place finish and it's always i'm coming up is it to the, always like at the finish line yes it's always like in the last five years or the last 
eight points or six points or something and one of the other civilizations jumps ahead i'm still enjoying it very much i just some little thing that i'm missing that i need to do i got a lot more aggressive at founding cities which is a big thing i mean that's the the points you get from the cities and developing them and growing them and that kind of thing is really what drives the point system you need to get out there early and grab city sites or conquer tribes so you can just take their city sites over that kind of thing and if you're not aggressive enough just forget it you just get left in the dust so i figured that one out but there's something else i've got to get in place and then the other thing that's kind of interesting is there is a new real-time strategy game called starship troopers terran command okay and it's related to the movie at all it, it okay. is absolutely it is it's very much the graphics are very much what you saw in the movie the bugs look very similar it's kind of a pre-release that you can play through right now. So it's just a sample of the game, but it was really fun actually when I played it. They've got all kinds of stuff for both sides and it looks really, really fascinating. If you would be into Starship Troopers at all, it looks like it'll be a pretty good game to give a go. Other than Sigmar, because we have a few Sigmar games, mm -hmm. Brenda, to talk about, what have you been up to, my friend? Playing a lot of Total War the last couple of days with the, my buddy Cody. The new one, or? No, I don't have three. No okay. one has three. Okay, I, was, I didn't know when three was coming out. Yeah, so. so I think three is early 2022. Okay, all right. We mutually agreed to end our Dark Elf campaign. No one was having fun. He was steamrolling, you know, as Malekith and just confederating everybody and rolling through and making more money than he knew what to do with. What was the main element of his builds in his army? So he was missing a bunch of DLC, which is what he was really frustrated with. So, like, there were things he wanted to do, but I had, like, all the DLC, so my armies had access to all that. But I was playing Malice. He's terrible, like, as a legendary okay. lord. He okay. has all of these negative modifiers to, like, how your armies work and, Ugh. like, all this. But, like, you don't get any of these, like, big trade-offs. Sure. You know, that, like, yeah, there's these penalties, but you don't get really any major positives unless you can get into, like, this late-game position where, mm. you know, then he builds his empires in these crazy awesome ways, but... We were at turn like a hundred and change, and it's just miserable. How about units that he was using to steamroll people? Was it all oh, all bows, or was it tons of dark shards? Yes, you know because they're just so good. But like again, he was missing a lot of the DLC, so he was missing a lot of the monsters. Like he was missing mm. some of the heroes that you can get. So we mutually agreed to end that campaign. Okay, we were like, you know, look, we can play this for another zillion hours. Like we know we're gonna win it. It's just a matter of when. Right. It was grinding it out as opposed mm. to steamrolling that you did with the Beastmen. Yeah. yeah. So we've been playing an orc campaign. Oh. He's playing Skarsnik and I am playing Warzag. Okay. I have not played orcs in Total War, Warhammer in two, I don't think. And so like it's been a while. Sure. I think the last campaign I played, you know, was I was living on the east side, like okay. in an apartment. Yeah. So it's, it's been a minute. Yeah, really close to here. Uh, I didn't realize how orc confederating worked. Like when you, if you just beat the faction leader, you can steal all their land. My buddy needed to declare war on Grimgore because the location that my buddy had previously declared as a, a Wa capture point, Grimgore took. Oh. It's like, well, I have to control it or I have to destroy it. So he's like, well, we got to declare war on Grimgore. And, you know, Grimgore is strength rank one and he's got all his war armies with him too. And I was like, okay, you know, we'll do this. And then I had managed to bait Grimgore into a position that I was able to throw like two very powerful armies at him mm. and I beat him. 
and I confederate him, and my army literally triples in size, oh and I have all of these armies oh now, God. and I'm I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh man, huh. Interesting. Wow. We're probably about to enter the late game of okay. that campaign okay. where we basically just pick a direction and we're just going to sweep over the map that way. Next time we'll find out what happens. And then a lot of NCAA 14 because it is college football yeah, season. Of and I will watch a game on one screen and play NCAA on the other. I led Ohio State to an undefeated season. Wonderful. I was not allowed to play in the championship title game. I was yes. furious. Of course not. So I scheduled the most difficult possible schedule the next season, including the two people who had played in the national championship and embarked on a scorched earth policy of of running the score up as high as I could. So (laughs) how dare they? All right. We've played a game. We did play a game. But you had a few more games with Isaiah. Our game was... To me, it was kind of strange. So you're playing your cruel boys because you want to get some practice with them. Mm -hmm. And I... After having looked over that Stormcast book again and again and again, I put together a Stormcast list. And you put were, together a couple of them, yeah. And you were kind enough to lend me your models, so I had an army at least to play. And other than that one mistake, it was a pretty critical mistake in turn two, but I really enjoyed playing them. Mm-hmm. It was so different for me. as and From Night Haunt, it's oh extremely my different. God, Brendan, <laughs> just having actual units to do two damage was weird. It was just bizarre. Like, hey, you got a profile in your coach that does two damage. Oh, yeah. Three whole attacks, right? You know, mortal wound output, other things that they could do. What was really comfortable with me, though, other things I kind of had to try to figure out was their mobility. It's just great. And I love that kind of... We'll see where translocation ends, right? Yes. You know, because that's going right. to be one of the key elements to the mobility right. of Stormcast list. Right. But yes, the ability to deep strike, the ability to, to move things around the board, even without the additional movement from translocation presently. Yes. is There's a lot of potential there. And, and I enjoy that kind of army anyway. It was a good game. I and mean, it was over by turn three. I mean, we decided it was done. Yeah, you left me a couple of openings to actually just take the points and start to move into a landslide. Yeah, um, that's what it was. Yeah. And boy, those freaking Bolt Boys are Bolt just, Boys are good. Ooh, they are We're going to talk about that good. in a little bit. Bolt yeah. Boys are good. They are scary. I know that's not good. new for hardly many no. of you. Especially when you can't do anything against them except charge them. Yep. That is and then it. they also shoot you. Yeah, and then they shoot you again. Just so many mortal wounds. It's, it's insane. It was fun to play another army. I mean, it's the first army, literally, I played besides Nine Haunt for... It's been a while. Two years or something. It's been a long time. So very, very fun. And your games with Isaiah. Last weekend, I, I went over to Mark's house and played Isaiah. Get a couple of games in before Dragonfall to you know maybe help settle in on what I wanted to play. Him and I both needed to kind of figure out what we were going to play you know, sure. in this coming weekend, you know, Isaiah famous for you know, just kind of playing an army with literally no practice. <laughs> I came over there with two lists that I was, you know, looking to practice with. And, you know, he just ran a, a battery of just different armies out against me. You know, he threw two different Iron Jaws lists and a Zinch list at me. And I really enjoy playing Isaiah and playing games at that level because like, you know, I got over there at like noon and we had finished playing three games by like six o'clock, sure. seven o'clock. Wow. A lot of it was just rack up, talk through it, this, 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 and we go from there. You know, as we talk about the book, you know, there'll be some things to discuss in it. I really like the Cruel Boys Army. The thing I was really struggling with was, you know, kind of ultimately my decision making, right? I always felt like my decisions were 
either spatially off a little bit or the timing was off a little bit or mm. just whatever. I couldn't get all of the synergies and all of the gears moving together in the right way at the right time to maximize the output. So I ended up deciding not to play Cruel Boys at Dragonfall because I felt I could see myself getting frustrated, you know, at the events because of things that were totally within my control. So I recognize and acknowledge that this is something that I need to have more practice with to feel comfortable in that setting. So, you know, we kicked around some big wow lists. You know, again, we'll talk about some of that here in the show that if I had the opportunity to practice them before the events, I might have felt compelled to be able to take them. But there's some scary stuff in this book. And, you know, obviously he played two Iron Jaws lists, both very different from each other, both very good. If you are a orc player, you know, this is going to be a review that I think you're going to be very happy about in terms of Bone Splitter's player, maybe a little bit less so. But if you like orcs in general, this is a good book. This is part of Destruction Ascendant. Glad you could get some more games in, but him as well. Mm-hmm. That's great. I um, think he decided on none of the lists he ran. So Okay. <laughs> He'll you know. come up with something. Yeah, both of us played lists that neither of us will take. All right. Events, Rockon and Dragonfall are imminent. They are five days out now, six days for you. Yeah. So we're going to be next weekend gaming. And Warhammer on the road, except Dan's doing Pathfinder. Big Pathfinder weekend, man. Two big days. And I'm still trying to figure out what to do Sunday morning. One of the things that pancakes. Well, that I might do okay. before I go. But one of the things that's a tradition there on Sunday mornings is called Girls und Panzer. And you're like, what the hell is that? There's actually an anime about a bunch of high school girls who load up into World War II tanks and fight each other. And it is just so entertaining. It sounds so bizarre. But when you watch it, just the interaction between the characters and the fact that they're, you know, one got into a German tank, one got into an English tank, and they're roaring towards each other. You're going, this is just crazy. Like, what are they doing? Anyway. Now, the tank battles occurred <laughs> normally on Halstead North, but... Uh, Listeners, so it, that's one thing that they always have. And it's a, obviously a miniatures game with tanks. Pretty fun, though. And I've seen it played, and everybody seems to be having a pretty good time. We'll figure it out. And then, as we're going to talk about at the end of the show, what we're going to plan for, for the next episode. So mm-hmm. we'll see if we can get some report on, on both of those, for sure. RockCon and Dragonfall. And then, two weeks later, you have Holy Havoc. Yep. First week in November, which there is There are great. spots for that, so if people yep. want to sign up. You can do that. It's a doubles event. and Awesome. And where it's in Chicago, right? Naperville. It's not far from Schaumburg. It's not far from normally where you'd go to Adepticon. Okay. And it's right down the street from my favorite wings place in the entire world. So Perfect. All right. Wings for breakfast, wings for lunch. Wings. <laughs> okay. Adepticon. And this is going to be... A lot of people already know this stuff, but... We're just going to kind of try to keep up with it on the show because we really haven't been able to talk about it much. We know the dates, obviously, are 23rd through the 27th of March next Mm -hmm. year. Early December sign-up, so they're talking, I'm assuming early December would be the first week in December. So we're only about six weeks out from sign-ups for Adepticon, which is really cool. And exciting for me, this past week, I booked my hotel, which is Coolio. Nice. I always stay at the Spring Hill, which is just like literally across the freeway from the Renaissance. So I could see the hotel from from my room usually. Very close. It's like two minutes out or three minutes away. So very, very cool. But it was so exciting to book a hotel for Adepticon again. So have you got yourself booked in or? Because I'm a TO, I get to split a room for the whole weekend with three other people. Ooh, as my, that as, sounds as exciting. part of my compensation. <laughs> so at the Renaissance? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So that's actually the first time I've ever stayed Okay. On site, because okay. normally 
I'm a little cheap in this sense where I look at the price of, you know, what it's going to be to stay there for, mm-hmm. you know, four or five nights, whatever it is. And I just go, yeah. no, it's too much. Yeah. Too much. Mm-hmm. When you can stay just down the road for, you know, a third of the price. Yep. Is it a little scary of a place to stay? Maybe. But I'm always sleeping there. Yeah, that's so. right. And you don't have to walk far. That's right. really nice, too. And, oh, the other thing is, this is a split venue this year, which is really interesting. The other piece of Adepticon is going to be mostly historical gaming. And that's going to be over at the Hyatt Regency, I believe it is. Which is very close to my hotel. It's not very far away. It's just across the freeway as well. So mm-hmm. it's maybe five minutes out at most. Which is really great. That's a little bit of a different setup as well. So good. I'm glad they've got that much demand for historical gaming because that's not something that usually is is huge. I think it's just so that spacing can be provided for tables and things like Mm -hmm. that, which is great. I mean, I'm glad they have that out. I'm not sure, you know, like what the allocation is going to be for everybody. But, you know, we'll we'll find out, you know, when signups go live and hopefully I find out a little bit before that. Sure. But, you know, whatever. Awesome. We'll figure it out. So that's it for Whispers, my friend. Mm -hmm. Let us move on to Emperor Lies. I mean, what are we, a team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. Listeners, we're back with Greenskin Palooza and War Clans. Again, the format is different now. And Brendan, kind of how are we going to handle this in terms of uh, coverage of each? Yeah, so, so that you don't have to lose elements. your minds in going through this. What we're going to do is we're going to go through the allegiance abilities, you know, so the battle traits, the command traits, the artifacts, the spells. We'll start with Cruel Boys. Mm-hmm. We'll cover mount traits in this one as well, just so that we have that reference point for everything else. Okay. Then we're going to go cover the Cruel Boys scrolls, you know, the things that are going to be relevant to, you know, what we just talked about with all of this, you know, sub-factions as well. Okay. Then we're going to cover the Iron Jaws stuff, and then the Iron Jaws scrolls, and the Bone Splitter stuff, and then the Bone Splitter scrolls. And then we're going to talk about Big Wah holistically, because you need to know kind of what everything does to talk about Big Wah anyway. So okay. that's how we're going to approach it. You know, obviously the number of traits and artifacts and all those have been reduced from, you know, what you have seen in the older books, you know, use the Stormcast book as reference. This appears to be the standard going forward. And then there are, you know, some new command traits, not command traits, battle tactics and grand strategies that are available. And Dan, I think you'll agree with me that, you know, by and large, it doesn't add very much. I think no. it's in the same vein no. as... You know, what you're seeing in the White Dwarfs, where you get some battalions, they're fine, okay. Mm -hmm. You get some grand strategies, they're fine, they're okay. (laughs) And you get some battle tactics. Same thing. You know, some of them are more useful than others, but I don't think any of them add any more than potentially two to any given army. So, you know, okay. Yeah. Agreed. And as you mentioned, the battalions, I just love the way they've changed what that is. And you get a single benefit, basically. And it's not a huge benefit. It's standard. It's It's, totally straightforward. An extra command point or an extra artifact, or you get to do this command for free, this command ability Mm. for free, whatever. But it's not game-breaking. It's not something you're going to build your whole army around, which is nice. Yeah, the only exception to that so far has been the ones for the Giants, because the Giants were already moving in those construction ways already, Mm -hmm. but they couldn't use any of the battalions to begin with. There was a, a knife balancing trick in that one, but the rest of the these are just you look at and you go okay yeah cool. fine it's an option yeah yeah for the most part i found myself using the ones in the core rules yes same thing with strategy same thing mm. with tactics in a lot of ways yeah yeah now okay the cruel boys battle tactic i have used in every single game sure at some point okay 
Maybe talk about that one then. Mm-hmm. Let's jump in. Yeah. And we're going to talk about allegiance abilities and stuff. We're going to start with Cruel Boys, yes? Yeah. So before we talk about that, there's one overarching thing that we have to explain here. Yes. So in order to play in any of the four allegiances, with the exception of Big Wass, so the other three, you must have the appropriate keyword to be in that allegiance. So if you want to use the Cruel Boys allegiance, all of the things in your army must have the Cruel Boys keyword. Okay. Iron Jaws is the same. Excellent. Bone Splitters is the same. Big Waz is a little bit different. You have to have the Orc War Clans keyword. You can't coalition in Iron Jaws into Cruel Boys lists, mm-hmm. you know, vice versa, all that. If you want to play with your Orcs together, you have to play under the Big Wa banner. Right. Okay. Keep that in mind when you're making your selections, but otherwise, it's relatively straightforward. It's one of the least complicated crossover additions that we've seen. Well, let's hit up Cruel Boys then, mm-hmm. um, that you clarified that. The first one is just devastating, man. I, I witnessed that. They've got Venom Encrusted Weapons. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. If the unmodified hit roll for an attack made by a Cruel Boys model is six. That attack causes a number of mortal wounds to the target equal to the weapon's damage characteristic, and the attack sequence ends. Okay. The ability has no effect on attacks made by a mount unless otherwise noted. And most of the mounts that you are going to be taking can use this, at least in part. (laughs) It can get even worse because you can add to the number of mortal wounds. This is for your combat and your ranged. Yep, everything. Any attack. Any attack, unless it's a mount, unless specified otherwise. If you see a six on the hit roll or you're a hobgrot, you just jump right to the Mortal Wounds characteristic. Yep. It's very good. As Dan alluded, it gets better. There are things that you can put together to ugh, crank it up past 11 if you really want to, but it's it's very difficult to achieve. It's very easy to get it to 11, but to take it past 11 is kind of a hard thing to do. Sure. The next thing on here is all the Allegiants have their own WAs. Mm-hmm. The Cruel Boys get their own WA, and my first pass at it was just kind of... Oh, whatever. You know, mm-hmm. fine. In practice, I have found it to be particularly very good. Once per battle in the combat phase, when you pick a friendly Cruel Boys general to fight, you can say that they are calling a Cruel Boys Wa. If you do so, pick up to two other friendly Cruel Boys units wholly within 18 inches of that general and that have not yet fought in that combat phase. That general and the units you pick can fight one after the other Man. in the order of your choice. Oof. There is kind of a difficult trigger on this in that it's when you select your general to fight. You can't use this unless your general is out there and in combat. If you had three units you really wanted fighting, one after the other, you have to make sure that one of them is the general and you want to pick them first because obviously then you just cascade down the line. I found this to be a little more difficult to set up than I'd like, but when I get it set up and I get it moving all together all at the same time, mm-hmm. whew, <laughs> Woof. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Dirty tricks. Now, this is interesting, and this is the one I think it's so, I think it's so powerful because there's so many. There's one in particular we'll talk about that. Well, there's, I there's two it. I really like. Right. And, but I experienced one of these mm-hmm. firsthand, and it was just brutal. So there are four dirty tricks, right? Yep. So I'll explain how this works. So this isn't something you, that you pick with your army when you start. There is flexibility to this, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. After the players have received their starting command points, but before the start of the first turn, so you already know the order in which things are going to occur in the first battle round. And everybody's deployed on the board or mm-hmm. in reserve, whatever yep. else. You know the setup. Yeah, you know the lay of the land. 
You can pick one of the following dirty tricks to employ during the battle. And there's four to pick from. Two I really like, one I think is situational, one I don't think hardly anybody's gonna pick when you consider the other three. Uh, So the first one is Noisy Racket. Subtract one from wound rolls for attacks made by enemy units in the first battle round. To me, this is a choice that you're gonna make if you have an enemy that really wants to be doing damage in the first battle round. You know, they have stuff that is fast, they have stuff that wants to connect. You do have some things that are maybe a little bit exposed. Subtracting one from their wound rolls decreases their effectiveness by quite a bit. There's very limited things that improve your ability to increase the wound roll. So Mm -hmm. doing the decrease on it is one of the things that ends up being mathematically a sizable gatekeeper. Sure. And that's once per battle, basically, mm-hmm. at, the, at the first battle round. Yep. Okay. So Lethal Surprise is the next one. Roll three dice for each four up. You can pick one different terrain feature or different objective. That Okay, so t- features or objectives yes. that is not wholly within enemy territory. And secretly note it down. The first time any enemy unit finishes a move within one inch of that ter- terrain feature or objective, roll a dice on a two up. That unit suffers D6 mortal wounds. Now, so if it's... So this is the one I don't like. Okay. So now... For clarification, it says it's not wholly within enemy enemy territory. Mm-hmm. So if there are two that are on the line, you know, the 12-inch line or whatever, mm-hmm. they're not wholly within my territory. Correct. So I could pick my opponents, right? Mm-hmm. Because those aren't wholly within my opponent's territory. Correct. So I could pick two on their side of the board. Yeah. So If I get rolled the, the appropriate number of dice. Sure. So the reason I don't like th- is this comes down to three dice rolls. First, the three dice that you roll, looking for four ups to mark down secretly, you know, what it is that you're going to pick. Okay. Fine. Then you have to roll a dice roll when they trigger it. Then you have to roll another dice for the damage. Or, right, to the point that we've made so far, or you're just minus one to wound. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that this one you'll never take, but I don't love this one when you compare it to the one we already covered, then the next two. So next one up is Disappearing Act. This is the one that I think ends up in kind of a weird middle ground where there is going to be situations where you do want to do it. Roll three dice for each four up. You can pick one different enemy unit on the battlefield that has not been reinforced. Then roll a dice for each unit you picked. If the roll is greater than the unit's wound characteristic, your opponent must remove that unit from the battlefield and set it up as a reserve unit. At the end of your opponent's first movement phase, they must set up that unit on the battlefield wholly within their territory and no more than nine inches away from all enemy units. Dirty trick cannot be picked if the battle plan has the no reserves rule. Okay. If you use this incorrectly, you can actually create an advantage for your (laughs) opponents. Sure. Because when you talk about where it has to appear it's at the end of your opponent's first movement phase Mm -hmm. fine on the battlefield wholly within their territory and more than nine away from all enemy units sometimes territory goes to the middle Mm -hmm. there are going to be some missions where you use this you didn't think about it and now they've been able to set their screens up further ahead there are some missions where this is going to be really advantageous because your territory is kind of far away or you have chosen to be the aggressor and they're the places where they can put it is relatively limited. The fact it's so situational is one of those ones that I'd tell you to consider, right? This is a two dice roll decision. Better than the three dice roll decision, but it's a two dice roll decision based against reinforcement, something that you have no control over, and a wounds characteristic of your opponent, something that you also don't have any control over. There are going to be some armies where this works great, and it's effectively a two up. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're playing ogres, hope you're good at rolling fives, okay. right? So... <laughs> Sure. And anything with a wound's characteristics of six or more is safe. Yep. It's cool. It's interesting. This is one that I think, though, when it comes up, you're going to know when to use it. Okay. 
a lot of it's going to be based on the battle plan. Yeah, the battle plan and your opponent's army and your deployment and their deployment. So many and, things, as you right. said, situational plus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yes. So the last one, I just love this. And God, I wish I had it. Roll three dice for each four up. Pick one friendly unit that is not a hero or monster. While that unit is in cover, it is not visible to enemy units. Yes. Man, Brendan. That's pretty good. That is really, really good. The application you saw it in is putting a unit of nine bolt boys in cover. Yep. You're not able to shoot at them. You're not able to cast a number of spells at them. You know, there are some generic AOE where visibility is not a requirement and not an item. Fine. But you can do this on the combat stuff too. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do this on combat units, put them in cover, and hide them. Or move them from piece of cover to piece of cover if they're fast enough. You could do that. Yes. And you could get a really powerful unit that's fast, very far forward on the battlefield, and then all of a sudden it's in your face, and you can't do anything about it, except charge it. Yeah, things that don't require visibility, like charging them or AOE things, or some abilities that just don't require line of sight, this doesn't matter. Right. But... There are going to be times, you know, or army constructions that you're going to undergo with Cruel Boys where you go, well, I don't care about Covered in Mud. My army doesn't benefit from this. Right. So that's just not a decision that you're going to be Right, you don't pick that one. You have four choices. Right. I really like the Dirty Tricks because there is a lot of flexibility. And in the hands of people who really know what they're doing, they're always going to pick the right one for the right situation. And your opponent is always going to sit there and go, God dang it. Like, why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yep. Oh, and by the way, you know, since you're going first, I'm going to do this. Right. Or I'm going first. Those screens that you have out there are very nice. Too bad they're gone now. And <laughs> I get to... <laughs> right. You know, I get to hit the meaty part of your army. Sure. Great stuff. Yeah. Fine. Good. So those are some pretty decent command abilities or battle traits. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yes, Yes. the answer. All right, so let's move on to command traits. Mm -hmm. And we're going to cover everything, listeners, because as Brendan stated earlier, we don't have a whole lot of six of anything. In fact, it's mostly three or four of stuff. So we're going to really cover everything. And a lot of this we can either say, yeah, or we can just move on Mm -hmm. or spend some time with it. So the first thing is command traits. And this is for kill a boss, snatch a boss, or break a boss. Mm -hmm. And the first one is slippery scumbag. This general can retreat and charge in the same turn all right fine yeah good stuff there's some generals that'll benefit from that fine Mm -hmm. i think your other two are way better though yeah absolutely super sneaky if this general's on the battlefield at the start of the first battle round before determining who has the first turn you know this is another thing like dirty tricks where now this is before you know who's going first so if you know that you're in control you can set up something that is unpleasant for your opponent (laughs) or you're going to make them go first and you're going to give them something that they don't want to be doing who has the first turn, you can pick one friendly Cruel Boys unit and set it up again anywhere on the battlefield that is more than nine inches from all enemy units. Free teleport. Yep. Free teleport before the game. Nice. Yeah, pretty all right. Yeah, yeah. And then we have Egomaniac. If this general is within three inches of another friendly unit, roll a dice before you allocate a wound or mortal wound to this general, or instead of making a ward roll for this general. On a four-up, pick one other friendly unit within three inches. That wound is allocated to that unit instead and cannot be negated. Okay, bodyguard. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you can give this bodyguard to a, you know, 14 wound character. Mm-hmm. Sure. That's pretty good. You know, I'm between how I feel about this versus like Amulet of Destiny, mm-hmm. right? Because in that case, no one ends up having to suffer the wound. But the Cruel Boys boys being two wounds apiece, this ends up being kind of a, a nice command trait that you can take if you don't see any real reason to be super sneaky. Okay. So, yeah. Very good. And then we have the artifacts. Mm-hmm. 
And this is for Cruel Boys Heroes. Yep, all of these are once per battle, which I feel kind of lukewarm about, but whatever it is what it and is. And I think we've seen a lot of that, though, when we've seen either traits or abilities, whatever it is, that a lot of them are once per battle. Yeah. So the first one up is Eyebiter Ash. Once per battle at the start of the combat phase, you can say that the bearer will hurl the Eyebiter Ash at a foe. If you do so, pick one enemy unit within three inches of the bearer, roll a dice. On a one to two, nothing happens. On a three to four, subtract one from hit rolls for attacks made for the unit for the rest of that phase. On a five up, subtract one from hit rolls for attacks made by that unit for the rest of the battle. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Yeah, I don't like that it's not just kind of an automatic thing. A third of the time, the artifact you took does nothing. Right. <laughs> okay. That's a pretty big investment for... Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Mork's Eye Pebble is the next one. Mm-hmm. Once per battle again, at the start of the enemy's shooting phase, you can say that the bearer will rub their Mork's Eye Pebble. If they do so, the bearer and all friendly units wholly within 12 inches of the bearer have a 5-up ward save. Yeah. Pretty yeah. good. Yep. If it, you know something big is shooting at you. Well, especially if you're going to an event where you know shooting is going to be prevalent. Yeah, absolutely. This is an artifact that you want to take. Yep. Very nice. How about the next one? Beast kill a slop. Once per battle at the start of the combat phase, you can pick one enemy monster within three inches of the bear and roll a dice. On a one, nothing happens. That's a much more palatable dice yes. roll to me. Yeah. On a two to five, the monster suffers D6 mortal wounds. And on a six, it suffers 2D6. Ooh, wow. But it is a D6. It is 2D6. It could end up being a one or a three or something as yeah. well. And it is once per battle, so... Very swingy. Spiker Seeds is the last one once per battle. After the enemy finishes a charge move within six inches of the bear, you can say the bear will throw their Spiker Seeds. These are like caltrips. That's cool. Mm-hmm. If you do so, roll a dice for each enemy model in that unit. On a five up, the enemy unit suffers one mortal wound. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah, I like that one. You know, just horde armies, things like that. Yeah, coolio. All right, that's artifacts. We're going to pop over real quick to... The spells and mount traits. Yep. Looks like mount traits pops up first. So mm-hmm. everybody in this book has access to these same mount traits. Yeah, so we're going to cover these now. They've right. standardized it. Yep. We'll talk about it here. They're going to be the same throughout. So, you know, Dan, which ones jumped out to you? Well, I think one of these I kind of like is the Meenan. Mm-hmm. which is monsters only. You're going to see a lot of monsters. When you carry out the Stomp Monstrous Rampage with this model, the enemy unit you pick suffers D6 mortals instead of D3 on a 2-up. Oh, that that could be really good because I see a lot of stomps and I've been stomped a lot. Now, of course, you've got hunters. So if somebody's taking hunters on three of their really essential units, this wouldn't be very worthwhile. But for the ones that don't, it's good stuff. I like that. Yeah. yeah, I'm a big fan of Fasten. Once per battle in your hero phase, this model can make a normal move. Ooh. You do have some very fast units yes. that you have access to. And if you are Iron Jaws, you have the opportunity mm-hmm. to move your model three times, potentially. Mm-hmm. That's pretty scary. Yes. Uh, yeah, it is. Because you've got, yeah, your wog and stuff. So you could go, what, twice in the hero phase? Isn't that right? Yep. So you do this and then you yeah, do the Mighty really Destroyers. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty okay. Yeah. I'd say that's true. But even on a vulture that's movement 14, having the opportunity to effectively be movement 28 once per battle is pretty... Yeah, it's pretty fair. It's useful. It's fair, yeah. (laughs) Okay. I like Weirden, which is the model has a four-up ward against mortal wounds caused by spells and abilities of endless spells. Yeah. Nothing bad. Yeah. Loudon, monster only. When you carry out the roar, monstrous rampage with this model, pick all enemy units within three inches of this model instead of one. There you go. And the fact that it's three inches, right, which is, you know, what the roar characteristic is, you can use the large base of some of these monsters to your advantage. Sure. And be able to 
tag a lot of different things and put yourself into an advantageous position in a number of combats by ensuring that your opponent can't use command abilities. Sure. Are we going to move on to spell lords? Yeah. Spell lords. So these are broken down and we're going to do the cruel boys ones now, right? Mm -hmm. Yep, because we're talking cruel boys. So we're going to do all four of them because there are four. So the first one is the black pit. The Black Pit is a spell that has a casting value of 7 and a range of 12. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within range invisible to the caster. Roll a dice for each model in that unit. For each 6 and for each other roll that is equal to or greater than the unit's save characteristic, that unit's, wow, that unit suffers one mortal wound. Wow. That could be pretty brutal. Yeah. <laughs> you get a whole bunch of people with 4-up saves, man. Ouch. Good God. Mm. that's crazy the difficulty is the casting value and the range and you're Mm going to find that that's a common theme throughout the cruel boys lore there's another layer of why this almost doesn't matter that we'll talk about in a little bit but Mm -hmm. you know we'll cross that bridge when we get there choking mist a spell that has a casting value of a seven and a range of 24 yeah if successfully cast pick a point on the battlefield within the range and visible to the caster all units within six inches of the point are affected by choking mist until the start of your next hero phase. While a unit is affected by choking mist, subtract one from the attacks characteristics of melee weapons used by it to a minimum of one, Whoa. and it cannot run. Wow. That's not bad. No, at it's all. not bad at all. The range is good on this one, yeah. but another casting value of a seven where you have no mm-hmm. real means of getting bonuses to... In Cruel Boys. In Cruel Boys. Yep. You know, naturally as That's Cruel tough. Boys. That is tough. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's so, a good spell. Oh, it is. Yeah. Both of these are pretty decent. I mean... Uh, Sneaky Miasma is the next one. It's a spell that has a casting value of six. Ooh, wow. Okay, only six. Yeah, ooh. (laughs) At a range of 18, which is good. If successfully cast, pick one friendly monster within range. uh, Cruel Boys monster. Within range, visible to the caster. That monster can make a normal move. This is how you get to move three times in the Cruel Boys army. Is you do this, you then trigger your Fasten, and then you move. It's not bad. No. Six is much more manageable. The range is fine. Yeah, yeah. This one's okay. You don't necessarily even need to get, as I saw with you know what you did with your vulture, you don't need to necessarily get them in combat. You just need to get them where you want them to be. Mm-hmm. And that's huge to create several conundrums for your opponent. Yep. Yep. Uh, so cool. the last one is one of the ones here, Nasty Hex, that helps you crank the... Cruel Boy's Venom Encrusted Weapons ability up to 12. Nasty Hex is a spell with a casting value of a 7 and a range of 12 inches, so casting value and range issue. However, if successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within range and visible to the caster. Until the end of your turn, war rolls cannot be made for models in that unit. Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. Oh, man. Yeah, because there's some armies that rely on ward saves. Mm-hmm. That's really, really good. Yeah. Since we're here, let's talk some sub-factions. Yeah, let's do that. They all have three. Mm-hmm. Cruel Boys are the ones where you're going to encounter ones that you haven't seen before. All the other ones are things that you have seen in books previously. Mm-hmm. The first one is the Grin and Blades. They are the red ones. Out of the Mist is their rule. During the first battle round, friendly Grin and Blades units are not visible to enemy units that are more than 12 inches away from them. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Can't shoot me because you can't see me. Can't shoot me. Can't cast spells at me. But if you don't have visibility requirements or you can get within nine inches of them, or in this case, within 12 inches of them, then it does not matter. Then big yellers, and they are yellow. Oh, wow, amazing. Uh, Only the best. Add three inches to the range characteristic of missile weapons. Yeah, I've seen this. Used by friendly big yellow auric units. In addition, in the first battle round, each time a friendly unit shoots, you can re-roll one of the hit rolls for one of the attacks made by the unit, whatever. That's 
Yeah, it's whatever. situational. It's yeah. fine. But the fact that you can add three inches is really good. Yep. It ends up making a big difference. 27 inches is a huge range for your... Yeah, your, the, uh, the 27 points. versus 24 isn't a big deal, but the 12 versus 15 is ends up being a big significant. deal. Then okay. you've got the skull bugs. These are the blue guys. When an enemy unit is picked to fight, roll a dice if it is within three inches of any friendly Skullbugs units. Add two to the roll if that enemy unit is within three inches of any friendly Skullbugs monsters. On a roll of six, subtract one from hit rolls for that unit made by, for attacks made by that enemy unit in that phase. Brendan, anything to me that subtracts one from hit rolls is good. I'm not saying it's not Mm. good because it forces your opponent to use a command point to mitigate it. But my point is that you can mitigate it pretty easily by spending a command point. Whenever you have something like this, now the wound roll, as you pointed out, is very different because you don't have a lot of ways to mitigate that when it's minus. But this, okay, it's all right. The tough part is, right, you know, like, oh, well, you guys really like the venom-encrusted weapons that triggers on sixes. Yeah, because it's a volume dice roll. Right, exactly. This is singular dice rolls where you're going to get the minus one sometimes. Right, and here's the other thing with the venom encrusted is we're going to talk about not only can you crank that up, you can also make it so that it's not on sixes, and we'll talk about that. I mean, there's a lot of ways to enhance that particular trait, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to something like this where you can't really do anything to this. This is just what it is. Yep. That's kind of one of the difference uh, between those things as we pick and really like the, the poison stuff. Yep. All right, Brandon, we're going to move on then, listeners, to start talking about some War Scrolls, buddy. Sure. Okay. Why don't you uh, hit us up? So uh, we're going to skip over Kragnos. Because uh, everybody knows. Well, his War Scrolls not any different. <laughs> right. You know, the, yeah. there is nothing different about him. Nothing has changed. It's he, He's a menace. That's the bottom yeah. line. And he's well, He went up in points. I don't know how. twenty now, I think, isn't he? Yeah, he's he, more. He went up for sure, yeah. So yep. we'll start off with the new faction named character, Gobsprack. This is a shaman on a vulture. Yeah, he's got a bunch of rules, and they're mm-hmm. all good. He's got 14 wounds. He's got a movement that goes from 14 down to 8. 5 up save and a bravery 6. Godstrack himself has a staff, which is 3-inch range. 2 attacks, 3s by 3s, rend 1, damage 3. The beak and flesh tearing talons are 1-inch range. 5 attacks down to 2. 4s by 3s, rend 1, damage 2. Mm-hmm. A stinger which with a 1-inch range. One attacks, threes by twos down to fives, minus one, D6 damage. And a backup stab, a one-inch range, two attacks, fours <laughs> by fours, no rend damage, one. Okay. Gobsprack is a two-cast, two-unbind wizard. He knows all of the spells from the lore of the swamps if he is part of an orc war clan's army. Mm-hmm. The mount, and this is going to be the same with the other vulture, the beacon talons, as well as the stinger, can trigger venom-encrusted weapons. So... Mm-hmm. Pretty all right. Yeah. Flies, because it's a vulture. He has the Glyphic Banner. This model has a ward save of a 6+. plus. Mm-hmm. Mork says no. I love this. Mm-hmm. This is good. Each time this unit unbinds a spell, the caster suffers D3 mortal wounds. If the spell <laughs> was unbound with an unbinding roll of 10+, plus, the caster suffers D6 mortal wounds instead. Yeah. Now, again, that happening, there's a pretty low chance of it. But just the fact that you're doing mortal wounds when somebody else casts is, is pretty good. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, it's chip damage, but hey, it might make a difference. When you pair that with his next rule here, Screamin' Mandrake, once per battle when this unit attempts to unbind a spell, you can say that it is using the Screamin' Mandrake. If you do so, the unbinding roll for that attempt is made with 3d6 instead of 2d6. Nice. Yeah. Very good. Very useful. Very, very useful. He is the mouth of Mork. If this unit issues the redeploy command to a Cruel Boys unit, you can re-roll the dice that determines the distance. That is huge. That is huge. Yeah. That's... It's good. 
If this unit issues the Unleash Hell command to a Cruel Boys unit, you do not have to subtract one from the hit rolls for the attacks made by the unit that receives the command. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> yeah. And then he has the War Scroll spell that the Shamans on Foot have, Summon Boggy Mist. Casting value of a seven. There we go. Uh, until your a next magic number. Huh? Yeah. Until your next hero phase, add one to charge rolls for friendly cruel boys units on the battlefield, and subtract one from charge rolls for other units on the battlefield. Okay. The nice thing here is, is he's not keyword locked into any of the sub factions, so you can take him in any of them, and he gains the, you know, whatever the benefit. Yep. You know, therein lies. And he is our war clan. He can go here, or he can go in big walk. In big walk. Right. Yeah. Okay. You can't take him in iron jaws. And you can't take him in Bone Splitters. Bone Splitters. But he has the totem keyword, so he's always issuing an 18-inch command ability bubble. Wow. Which is nice. Yep. That's great. All right. So that's a good model. Mm -hmm. That's really nice. Then we have the generic killer boss on Avulcha. Yep. And he has his boss stick, which is one inch range, four attacks, three by threes, minus one, two damage. The beaks and talons are the same. It goes from five to two. Fours by threes, minus one, two damage. And then the stinger, one attack, three by two to start down to five up for wounding. Minus one ren, D6 damage. It is a mount, so it can trigger venom encrusted weapons. It can fly. Before you get to that, oh. the, the movements is, is the same. 14 down to eight. He's got the wounds. It's the same. He's one better bravery and one better save yes though. seven bravery and four up save yep but he's 60 points cheaper at 240 versus 300 and then he's got his rules all part of the plan yep and so if a family friendly a family if a friendly cruel boys unit fails a battle shock test within three inches only one model flees so this is a rule that actually came up quite a bit in a number of my games that ends up being pretty sizable where you can take big losses and it'll be okay foot guys have very similar rules you might end up taking the consideration of them to keep them kind of stuck in there because, you know, obviously he's fast. He's going to end up on other sides of the board mm -hmm. sometimes. That ends up being a pretty big rule. And it's only within three. Yeah. It's not wholly within anything. It doesn't have any other kind of range. Yeah, it's just, it's just there. Yep. Very nice. And then commanding view is the last one. It's command ability. You can use the same command ability more than once in the same phase if you pick this unit to issue the command. However, this unit cannot issue more than one command and a unit can still not receive more than one command. So what this means is if he uses it, it still costs you a command point, but it doesn't count against the maximum use of one per phase. He's also got the totem keyword, so he's so also issuing it. Just to clarify, Brendan, that means that he could issue it mm -hmm. and somebody else could issue the same command. Correct. That's it. Okay, yep. yeah. That overrides yep. the one limit. All right. Yep. Okay. Next, you've got the kill a boss on Great Nash Tooth. Mm. Uh, movement 10, 3 up save, bravery 7, 10 wounds. He's not a monster. But he is a pretty decent combat hero. He's got his boss sticker, one inch range, four attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage two. And his mount has one inch range, four attacks, threes by threes, rend two, damage two. His mount doesn't get the venom encrusted weapons. Mm -hmm. He has all part of the plan, which is the same as what we just covered. Right. And his hound add ones to hit rolls for attacks made by this unit if it made a charge move in the same turn. Okay, cool. Yeah. 170 points for that. That's not bad for 10, That's fine. 10 wounds with a 3-up save. That's pretty good for an orc army of any kind. Yeah. Yeah, any orc unit. He's on kind of a large base. Yeah, but he's fine. Yeah. All good. And then we have the killer boss with a stab grot. <laughs> and this guy has got 6 wounds, 4-up save, 7 bravery, 5-inch move, 3 
different uh, melee weapons. One is the boss hack at one inch range, four attacks, three by threes, minus one, two damage. The rusting flail is two inches, two attacks, three by threes, minus one, one damage. And then the prized shiv, which is one attack, three, three attacks, one inch, four by four, and no rend, one damage. Unit can have a shield. If it's armed with a shield, it gets a three up instead of a four up save. Right. right. So you're making the trade of boss hacker and shield versus yep. boss hacker and flail. Yep. And I think you are always taking the shield. Yep, I agree. He's got a companion. The stab grot must remain within one inch of the killer boss. All part of the plan is same thing with one model running. And then you hold them off is before you allocate a wound or mortal wound to this unit, or instead of making a ward roll for this unit, can choose to risk this unit's stab grot. If you do so, you have to roll a dice on a one through five. The stab grot is killed and the wound is negated. On a six, the stab grot is not killed and the wound is negated. Okay. If the stab grot is killed, the model representing is removed, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Nice. Gets an extra oblative wound, basically. Yep. Is what you do. That's okay. Yeah, and it costs you the three attacks, fours by fours, no yes, rank profile. there you go, yeah. Fine. Yeah, exactly right. That's going to get through not often. Mm-hmm. All right. So what about the Merc Knob? Yes, yeah, so you've got the Merc Knob with Belchabana. He is uh, six wounds, four up save, movement five, bravery seven. He's got his cleaver, which is one inch range. Three attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage two. Yeah, fine. Yeah. You get the power of Kragnos. Friendly, cruel boys, wholly within 12 inches. When they're affected by a spell or the ability of an endless spell, you can roll a dice. And on a five up, you ignore the effects of that spell or the endless uh, spell's ability on that unit. That is pretty good. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, that's pretty And good. then it's the Meyer Drakes. At the start of the combat phase, roll a dice for each enemy unit within three inches of this unit. On a 1, nothing happens. On a 2 to 5, that enemy unit suffers one mortal wound. On a 6, it suffers D3. Okay. It's whatever. Yeah. Okay, we got the Swamp Caller Shaman next. Yeah. I have seen a couple of these on the board. Yeah, just a few. No fun. All right, it's a wizard. And, oh, 6 wounds, 5 up save. 6 bravery, 5 up move. 2 weapons. 1 is 3 inch range, which is the Bogbark Staff. 2 attacks, 3 by 3 is minus 1, D3 damage. And then a backup stab of 1 inch Two attacks, four by fours, one damage, no rent. So wizard can cast one, unbind one, and it has a pot grot, and it's armed with the backup stab. Poisons and elixirs. Here we go. At the start of the hero phase, if this unit is more than three inches from all enemy units, instead of attempting to dispel an endless spell or cast any spells with this unit in that phase, you can say it is brewing either a poison or an elixir. If you do so, pick one cruel boys unit, wholly within 12 of this unit, more than three from all enemy units, and that has at least one model within three inches of this unit. Uh, okay. Can be given poison or elixir. A unit that's been given a poison or elixir cannot be given another poison or elixir in the same hero phase. If the unit is given a poison until your next hero phase, when you use the venom encrusted battle trait, it goes off on a five up instead of a six up. And if it's given an elixir, it adds one to save rolls for that unit. So five up mortal wounds, pretty brutal. Yep. Um, yeah, that's kind of the go-to thing when you have bolt boys, isn't it, Brendan? It certainly is. <laughs> ouch, ouch, ouch. And then add one to save rolls. I think you could be giving out a lot more poisons than you are elixirs, but who knows. Then summon Boggy Mist. This is casting value of... What do you think, Brendan? Take a guess. Seven. Seven. It's the same as the one I I know. I know. Exactly right. If successfully cast, same thing. Add one to charge rolls for friendly cruel boys units. Minus one from everybody everybody else in the battlefield. Yep. There you go. Cool. But that poisons and elixirs thing is huge. Mm -hmm. It's monstrous. Monstrous good. Okay. 
Here you go. Here are your buddies. Yeah, you've got Gut Rippers. These are your main battle line unit in a Cruel Boys army. If you're big yellows, you'll be able to take Bolt Boys, but in lieu of that, it's Gut Rippers. So Gut Rippers are two wounds apiece, five inch move, five up save, bravery five. They have two combat profiles that you can pick from. There's really only one that I think you have any business taking. The Wicked Sticker is two inch range, two attacks, fours by fours, no rend damage one. Or the Wicked Hacker, which is one inch range, Two attacks, fours by threes, no rend, damage one. They're on 32s, giving him one inch range weapons with the coherency rules as they stand Makes is... no sense. Very odd choice. Yes. They come in min size units of 10. The champion adds one to the melee attacks characteristic. The standard bearer adds one to the bravery. The musician, uh, you can add one to your charge rolls. So if you use the Swamp Call of Shaman's ability and the musician, you're plus two to your charge. Mm-hmm. And you've got scare tactics at the start of the charge phase. If this unit is more than three inches from all enemy units, you can pick one enemy unit within 12 inches of that unit that is not a hero or monster and roll 2d6. Add one to the roll for every five models in this unit. If that roll is equal to or greater than the bravery characteristics of that enemy unit, subtract one from hit rolls for attacks made by that enemy unit that target this unit until the end of that turn. That's okay. Yeah, it's fine. Um, these guys, man, with the mortal wound potential, Brendan... Mm-hmm. Just nuts. And you had a unit of 20, right? Or two right. units of 20. You know, you take the reinforcements to get them up to a unit of 20. That's 41 attacks at fours and fours, which is the height of mediocrity. But when you give them a five up, you know, you're going to be triggering one third of those is going to be mortal wounds at damage one. But then when we talk about these next two heroes, mm-hmm. one third are going to be mortal wounds, but a sum total one sixth of them are going to be damage two. Yeah. There are two mortals. Two mortals, yep. Which, when you combine that with the Cruel Boy's Wah, where you're able to fight one after the other after the other, allows you to remove a hard target. Of any kind. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And it's 40 wounds that you got to get rid of. That's a lot of wounds, even with a five-up It is a lot of wounds. Yep. Yeah, so next up, we have Swamp Boss Scumdrek, who's mm-hmm. the named character version of the Sludraker boss. He is keyword locked into the Grinning Blades. That's the red ones. Mm-hmm. 8-inch move, 4-up save, bravery 6, 15 wounds. He has four combat profiles. The rider himself has a Snatch-A-Stick, which is a 3-inch range. Four attacks, 3s threes by 3s, threes, rend 1, damage 2. Grasping Talons, which is his mount. 3-inch range, 6 attacks down to 3. 3-A by 3s. Rend one, damage two. The bite, one inch range, one attack, threes by twos, rend one. The damage characteristic is a little weird. It's a table. It starts at D3 plus four, and it goes down to D3 plus one. The tail is one inch range, two attacks, threes to hit, twos down to fives, rend two, damage two. I mean, that's that's a pretty pretty beefy attack profile there. Yeah, it's good. It's pretty good for a monster, yeah. Yeah. The mount is allowed to use the venom-encrusted weapons on everything but the tail. So that's even better. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. Uh. Him being the named character, he gets a rule called Betmaster. If this unit is part of your army after deployment, but before the first battle round begins, you can pick one friendly Hobgrot unit to be Mm. the Countin crew, and one friendly unit to be the Bet. You cannot pick this unit or the Countin crew to be the Bet. If the bet is the first friendly unit to be destroyed during the battle, you can pick one extra triumph enhancement for your army that can be used during the battle, and even if the points total of your army is not less than your opponent's army, this unit that is chosen to benefit from the triumph must be either this unit or the Countin crew. Okay. All right. Fine. Sludraker Venom, which is why you're going to see either Scumdrek or a Sludraker boss all the time 
basically no matter what. Add one to the number of mortal wounds caused by the venom encrusted weapons battle trait if the unmodified hit roll was six and the attacking unit is wholly within 12 inches of any friendly units with this ability. <sighs> uh, note that this does not affect the unmodified rolls of five from the Swamp Caller poisons and elixirs. That's pretty good. If you can spike a couple of rolls that are sixes, you're going to do some work. Yeah, sure. Like, even looking at his profile, right? You know, all of a sudden, it's oh, yeah. three mortal wounds. That's what I'm saying. He's um, got a lot of attacks here. Yes. God. Then you have the expert snatch and grab, which is a little bit different than what we'll see on the Sludraker boss. Once per battle, at the end of the combat phase, you can pick one enemy model that has a wounds characteristic of seven or less, does not have a mount, and is within three inches of this unit, and roll 2d6. If the roll is equal to or greater than the enemy model's wounds characteristic, it is slain. The difference between this and the other one is the Sludraker boss is just greater than. Here, it's equal to or greater than, so it improves your odds by a little bit. Not being able to grab something that has a mount kind of limits the things that you take, but because it occurs at the end of the combat phase, you can use this to break coherency. Okay, the Snatch a Boss and a Sludge Raker is the generic version mm-hmm. of Scumdrek. We have one less wound. The profile is essentially the same otherwise. In terms of uh, attacks and wounds, yes, I believe it's the same. Yeah, the difference is the Chainlink Grappling Hook yes. is three attacks versus four, yeah. and is damage three versus two. Yep, okay. And it's uh, three by three as well, minus mm-hmm. one. Yep. And then the damage profile on the bites is just reduce one damage from it. Right. So instead of it being, being D3 plus four, it's D3 plus three. Yep. And the bottom of the table is D3 instead of D3 so plus very one. Very small changes. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we don't have as much because it's generic. You don't have the Betmaster thing. You still have the Sludge Raker Venom, of course, and you still have Snatch and Grab. So those are the same. Yeah. The big advantage, though, to being just a generic Sludge Raker boss mm-hmm. is that he is unnamed and is therefore eligible for command traits and other enhancements that... Yeah. Scumdreck is not. Whatever else. Yep. The difference between the two is five points, so do whatever you feel. They're effectively yeah. the same. You want to talk about the Slogoth? Or you want to yeah, talk about so the, the Slogoth has Traga. two small problems with it right now. Is it does not have the Cruel Boys keyword, and so technically <laughs> would not be eligible to be in a Cruel Boys army. It could only be in a big wog. Technically, technically, technically. Because technically. it's Oric Warclans. However, this is clearly going to be an item addressed in an FAQ. Yeah. We'll go from there. And then it's interaction with venom-encrusted weapons, if at all. Mm-hmm. Right now, the answer to that is no, because it's technically not a cruel boy. So yes. <laughs> six-inch move, four-up save, bravery five, 12 wounds. It is not a monster. It is a trog. They have catching nets and snatch sticks. Two-inch range, four attacks, fours by fours, no rend damage one. Then you've got the Raking Claws, one-inch range, four attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage two. Fine. You got the Grot Snatching Crew. At the end of the combat phase, you can pick one enemy model within two inches of this unit and roll a dice. If the roll is at least double that model's wounds characteristic, it is slain. Hmm? Anything three wounds or less is fair game. The Crew Drummer, add one to hit rolls for attacks made with melee weapons by friendly units that are wholly within 18 inches of any friendly units with this ability. Okay. This is why people have been looking to ally it into Gloomspike Gits armies. Yep. That rule specifically. Uh, and then it has regeneration because it's a troll. In your hero phase, you can roll a dice for this unit. If you do so on a four up, heal up to D3 wounds allocated to this unit. Now we have the Trogoth, the Breaker Boss on the Trogoth. Mm-hmm. 12 wounds, five up save, or five inch move, four up save, seven bravery, has two attacks, the Biden Goad from the Rider, which is one inch, 
range, five attacks, three by threes, no rend, two damage, and then the Ironbound Clubs from the Trogoth, one inch range, four attacks, three by threes, minus two, three damage. The Ironbound Clubs are not eligible for Venom Encrusted Weapons, okay. which is important to keep in mind as you read the next rule. Yeah, that would just be insane. So at the start of the combat phase, you can say that the Breaker Boss is yanking on the Mirebrute Trogoth's harness. If you do so, this unit suffers D3 mortal wounds, but... For each mortal wound it suffers, you can add two to the attack characteristics of the Ironbound Clubs until the end of that phase. On average, you're going to have eight. There you go. You're going to add eight. So you can add anywhere from six to, to ten. To ten. Yep. And then yep. plus the rider. Right. You can have anywhere a total from six to ten. That's pretty nuts. For three damage? Man, you're doing giant damage there <laughs> when you think about you're it. You're going to do all right. Yeah. yeah. Um, regen is the same thing on a four, but you get D3. So that would counteract... If you do any, if you suffer any mortal wounds, I mean, why wouldn't you anyway? You got 12 wounds and you got a good chance of regening, so. But you can't poison this. The rider can be poisoned with five but attacks not, at damage, but not two, the trog. But not the trog, that's correct. correct. Yeah. Yep. You know, okay. Next up are the Hobgrot Slittas. They are your kind of cheap throwaway chaff units. They are one wound apiece, five inch move, six up save, bravery four. They have grenades, eight inch range, one <laughs> attack, fours by threes, rend one, damage one. They don't have the right keyword, so they are not able to use the venom-encrusted weapons. They have the slit of knives, one-inch range, two attacks, fours by fives, no rend, damage one. The champion adds one to the attacks characteristic of his knives. The standard bearer lets you reroll battle shock tests. Your bravery four, so you're probably failing most of them anyways. Okay. The musician allows you to run and shoot, which is good. And then they've got stab him good. Unmodified sixes to hit, score two hits instead of one. Okay. Fine. All right. And so, Dan, do you want the Bolt Boys or the Kill Bow? Yeah, you're the one who's the master using those Bolt Boys, so you talk about that. Master's an interesting word. Yeah. Bolt Boys are coming units of three. Mm -hmm. They are relatively affordable at 120 points for three. They are battle line in a big yellow's army. They are two wounds apiece, five inch move, six up save, bravery five. They have two shooting profiles, which, you know, we'll explain how they work in just a little bit. The hasty shot is a 12-inch range, 15 if you're big yellows. Two attacks, fours by threes, rend one, damage two. Or the aimed shot, which is 24-inch range, 27 if you're big yellows. One attacks, twos by threes, rend one, damage two. They've got their blades, uh, which are one-inch range, two attacks, fours by fours, no rend, damage one. Mm -hmm. Which, if you're near a Sludraker boss in combat, actually ends up being pretty all right mm -hmm. the champion adds one to the missile characteristic and they have pick them off when this unit with a manscuer crossbow uses their aim shot missile weapons characteristic if it one did not make a normal move in the same turn and is two more than three inches from all enemy units otherwise use the hasty shot missile weapons characteristic so is if it's sitting in an emplacement somewhere mm -hmm. that you have set up for them if they don't move and they're at least three inches from enemy units they're good for the 24 inches. Right. So if you don't move and you've got, you know, your champion, there's three of them, your four attacks at twos by threes, rend one, damage two. Mm -hmm. If you do move, your seven attacks, mm -hmm. fours by threes, rend one, damage two. Okay. Now, this is a time and place where you will typically use an uh, attack to move up to threes and threes, but the increasing the number of dice that you're rolling, attempting to interact with venom-encrusted weapons and poisons and elixirs, and the Sludraker Beast is where you're really fishing. As long as you have a target in range, 
you should absolutely be using hasty shot and all-out attack, okay. period. That makes sense. Because yep. you are going to be fishing for mortal wounds. Even if they have a ward save, you want to be fishing for automatic damage, effectively. So, that is the Bolt Boys, and with a combination of the number of attacks, with their range, with the Venom, these guys are just sweeping stuff off the board. Yep. Yeah, this is a unit that's going to use Unleash Hell very effectively. This is a unit that you can put in place, and depending on the skill level of your opponent, you can use it to threaten large areas of board and terrify them into indecision effectively yeah. well if you have and have you have no way to deal with this man you're just in bad shape you're just going to have to sacrifice massive amounts of your army to get to this to stop it from functioning and as a cruel boys player this is a unit that you want to hide in cover number one just to get them to a five up save effectively and then you know also potentially to use them covered in mud if your opponent has the ability to reach out and touch them. You want to remove their ability to do that. <laughs> right. Because they are very fragile. You mm-hmm. know, right? Two wounds on a six-up save sure. is not very good. But even a unit of nine, that's only 18 wounds. Bravery five. Six up. If you kill one, I'm rolling a dice, and on a five or a six, models are leaving. So then the last Cruel Boys unit, Dan, the kill bow. Yeah. Lovely. Uh, five wounds, five-inch move, five-up save, five bravery, and pretty much the same kind of profile other than it's got some more uh, it's got the same no it doesn't it's okay, the so exact same ranges it's the exact same hit and wound profiles however it's Ren 2 and one attack on hasty shot mm-hmm. one attack on aim shot so they're both one both Ren 2 but the way the damage worked here is we're going to talk about that that's skewered yeah. so to determine the damage characteristic for an attack made with the B skewer bolts roll a number of dice equal to the wounds characteristic of the target unit the <laughs> That's so great. The damage characteristic is equal to two, plus one for each roll of five up, up to a maximum damage characteristic of 12. Hello, Giants. Right. 35 dice. On average, you're going to be doing what? 10? On 36, your average is 12. 12, yeah. So it's going to be 12. Your average dice roll against Mega Gargants is damage 12, including the plus two. God, that's insane. Which would bump you up to 14, but it caps at 12. Man, Brendan. That's now, the problem is it's one shot. Yes. You do have to roll the hit. Yep. You do have to roll the wound. Yep. And even if you give it all out attack, it's still a three by three. On the hasty shot. Right, on the hasty shot. But this is one, though, that you're not going to, you don't want to move. Right. This is one that you want to stay in place. For your 20, 27 inches. Yep. Because yep. you're going to be taking big yellows. Yeah. Two by threes. Sure. Mm-hmm. Why not? Yep. Minus two rend. Wow. And then you roll the damage table. You know, but you could be rolling 36 dice and rolled very limited dice that increase the damage on it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say you're going to roll none on 36 dice, right. but right. you could roll not many. Right. You could. Then they have a combat profile, one inch range, three attacks, fours by fours, no rend damage one, yep. whatever. Yep. And then they have pick them off, which is the same rule as right. the bolt boys. If you don't make a normal move and, and you're, you're more than three inches from enemy. Yeah. Yeah, so okay. that's the Cruel Boys part of this book. Mm-hmm. So we're going to jump back to the front yes. of the book here. Yes, we are. And we're going to talk about the Iron Jaws and what they do mm-hmm. and their allegiance abilities and their artifacts, their command traits, their spells, mm-hmm. all their fun stuff. Iron Jaws also have three sub-factions, which we'll talk about in a little bit. They get the Iron Jaws Wah. Mm-hmm. This is different from what it used to be, so, you know... 
Please keep in mind the difference. Once per battle at the start of your charge phase, you can pick one friendly Iron Jaws general on the battlefield and say they are calling an Iron Jaws WA. Until the end of that turn, add one to charge rolls for friendly Iron Jaws units and improve the Ren characteristics of melee weapons used by friendly Iron Jaws units by one. And many Iron Jaws units have at least one rend already. Typically, yes. Yes. So they're going to be Ren 2. Mm-hmm. Wow, crazy. Ren 2 or Ren 3. Yeah, you know, that's... Or, yeah. Wow, army-wide. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have Mighty Destroyers, right? You can use this command ability in your hero phase. The model that issues the command must be an Iron Jaws model, and the unit that received it must be an Iron Jaws unit. Yep. If the unit that received the command is more than 12 inches from all enemy units, you must make a normal move in that unit. Well, with that unit. If the unit that received the command is within 3 inches of an enemy unit, you must make a pile-in move with each model in the unit. If the unit is within 12 inches of an enemy and more than 3 inches from enemy units, you must attempt a charge charge with the unit mm-hmm. all right there you go yeah that's fine you know you don't get to fight anymore in the combat phase which is a bummer but you know this is fine mm-hmm. you still get to keep smashing and bashing in the combat phase after a friendly iron jaws unit is fought if any enemy units were destroyed by an attack made by that unit you can pick one friendly iron jaws unit that is not yet fought in that combat phase and is within three inches of an enemy unit that friendly iron jaws unit fights immediately mm-hmm. cool yep. neat fine yep you don't have the base all around plus one to charge anymore, which is important to keep in mind. It's not just universal. However, you make up for the difference in how good some of your war scrolls are. So I wouldn't worry about it too much. Yeah. We're going to go over to command traits. We mm-hmm. have the one for the mega boss, one's for the mega boss, and then Iron Jaws Wizard is the other one. Yep. So the Hulking Brute is the first one for the mega boss. After this general makes a charge move, you can pick one enemy unit within one inch of them roll a dice on a two up it suffers d3 mortal wounds impact hits okay fine whatever yeah mega boss mega bossy is this general can use the mighty destroyers command even if it has already been issued by another friendly model in the same phase all right so it's not free but you can use it multiple times okay and then we have mighty wog leader if this general caused the Iron Jaws Wog, you can reroll charge rolls for friendly Iron Jaws units, holding within 12 inches of them until the end of that turn. It's not bad. No, not at all. The wizards touched by the Wog, before attempting to cast a spell with this general, you must pick a unit within 6 inches of them. That unit suffers D3 mortal wounds, but you can add the number of mortal wounds caused that unit to the casting roll for the spell. If you pick this general to suffer the mortal wounds and they are slain by one of those spells, the spell is not successfully cast. Duh. Okay, thanks for explaining that. (laughs) So the next one is the Master of the Weird. You can pick one extra spell for this general from the lore of the weird. Cool. Awesomeness. Yeah. All right, let's head down to artifacts now. Yeah, so Uh, you've got the Mega Boss artifacts. You've got the Armor of Gork. The bearer has a ward save of six up, and you can add one to hit rolls for attacks made with melee weapons by the bearer. However, you must subtract two inches from the bearer's move characteristic, and the bearer cannot run. Okay. Yeah, that's all right. You could just, you know, use all-out attack and, get and have Amulet of Destiny. Right. Yep. So, you know, there's that. Yeah. Uh, Destroyers, the next one, picks one of the bearer's melee weapons once per battle at the start of the phase. You can add three to the damage characteristics of that weapon until the end of the phase. For some units, that would be devastating, Brendan. One in particular that I can think of, but that could be pretty good. Yeah. It's one of the ones that you use to ensure that something dies and dies well. Mm-hmm. The last one is Boss Skewer. Mm-hmm. Add one of the bravery characteristics of friendly Iron Jaws units while they are wholly within 18 inches of the bearer, and subtract one from the bravery characteristics of enemy units while they are within 12 inches of the bearer. Fine, whatever. Good, good. You know, nothing too special Hooray. about that. Exciting. 
Yep. So they have all the same mount traits as what we talked about with the Cruel Boys. Going over to the lore of the weird, mm-hmm. this is for Iron Jaws wizards only. Mm-hmm. You know, there's four of them. So, Dan, why don't you... Uh... Let's do foot first. Okay. Foot of Gork is a spell that has a casting value of 10 and a range of 18. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within range, invisible to the caster. That unit suffers D6 mortal wounds. Then roll a dice on a 1 through 3, nothing on a 4 up, another D6. Keep rolling the dice, and another 4 up, another D6, and another D6, and... Okay. Yeah, good luck casting the 10, though. <laughs> right? That's, that's insane. Right, so you pair that with the command trait, right, for the general yeah. to get the bonuses there. That's still tough. It, that's very, still, very difficult. Yeah. And you might roll a three the first time you do this. So it's like, yeah, okay. It's fun, but... Yeah, all mm-hmm. right. You have the mighty Edbutt, casting value of a five, range of 16. It successfully cast... That's such an odd number, 16. <laughs> It's like they had a dartboard on that one. Like, okay, whatever. Go ahead, man. Yeah, uh, pick one enemy hero within range and invisible the caster. That hero suffers one mortal wound. If that hero is a wizard, they suffer D3 instead of one. Okay, nice. Or, you know, arcane bolt. Or both. Whatever. Right. right. And then we got um, the hand of Gork Mm -hmm. instead of the foot of Gork. The great green hand of Gork is a spell that has a casting value of, wow, seven. Whew, that's a lot better than 10. And a range of 12 is successfully cast. Pick one friendly orc unit wholly within range, visible to the caster, more than three inches from all enemy units. Remove that unit from the battlefield. Set it up anywhere on the board, more than nine inches from enemy units. It cannot move in the following movement phase. Thank you this, for clarifying this that. This is why I'm saying translocation is gonna go to this. Well, like, like, th- like this is in the same step as what a prayer is gonna be. Mm-hmm. It fits the same format. Mm-hmm. You arguably would get the same benefit you know like if they had kept it in the same vein as what translocation where you get to mm-hmm. move yeah iron jaws are even slower mm-hmm. than some of the stormcast stuff right so you're you're actually getting more benefit last up is basham two lands. weeks two months whatever it's all the same well <laughs> Is a spell with a casting value of an eight. If successfully cast until your next hero phase, you can add one to wound rolls for attacks made by friendly Iron Jaws units that are wholly within 16 inches of the caster. This one's interesting. I think it ends up being too situational. It's good, right? You know, just oh. just what we were talking about before, where the adding the to the wound roll is rare. Yes. Here's a rule where you get to do it in an area of effect. Casting value of an eight mm-hmm. in range of the wizard. Mm-hmm. Who are kind of squishy. Iron Jaws wizards are less squishy than yes, others. I agree. But number one, you got to roll the eight, which is going to occur less than half of the time. Yes. And then you also have to have the unit wholly within 16 inches of the units that you want to have the bonus to wound on. Okay. Now, you could do like an arcane tome on a Maw Crusher, mm-hmm. and it's a piece of cake. However, you just put an arcane tome on your Maw Crusher. Yeah. Instead of anything else, an artifact, or, so, or instead of a amulet of destiny, else. or the destroyer, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, anything else. Yep, that's that. Okay, and then we've got our three sub factions. Dan, which one do you want to start with? I'm going to start with blood tooths. So okay, like hunting crush. At the end of the combat phase, friendly Bloodtooth's Gora Gruntus, yeah, so pigs, units that fought in that phase and are within three inches of any enemy unit can make a piling move. In addition, those that fought but are not within three inches of an enemy unit can each make a normal move or attempt a charge. It's pretty good. It's like hopscotch, man. Yeah, so this is something that Isaiah used against me, and now he rolled a couple of long charges to his great benefit, but... 
he blew up the screen and then landed two long charges and I went, okay. Oh, <laughs> I see. Uh, wow. Yep. Next up, Iron Suns, all right, get them. You can use this command ability at the end of the enemy charge phase. The unit that receives the command must be a friendly Iron Suns unit that is within 12 inches of an enemy unit and more than three inches from all enemy units. The Iron Suns unit can attempt to charge. Okay. So. All right. Yeah, it's cool. Mm-hmm. And then last up, you've got Dachapas. Yeah, Rebel Rousers, right? When you use the Violent Fury ability of the friendly Dachapas War Chancer, you can pick up to three different friendly Brutes or Ardboys in any combination to be affected by the ability instead of one friendly Iron Jaws unit. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I can see a place for it, and Violent Fury being the extra damage ability, which is really good and somehow made it through into this book as well. Okay. <laughs> but so, that's just my feeling on it. Here we go. It's cabbage time. Mm-hmm. So what did you talk about the King of Kings here? Gordrak. Fist of Gork is your named Maw Crusher character. He is not keyword locked, which is, you know, good to see. Movement 12, down to 6. 4-up save, bravery 8, 20 wounds. Mm-hmm. Beefy guy. So it's a 4-up now, though, instead of a 3-up. It is. Okay, so the save, but it is a 4-up. It is so a 4-up. It is what it is. Okay. Yep. They have an inner bursting roar, 8-inch range, 6 attacks, 2s by 3s, rend 1, damage 1. Mm-hmm. Fine. Smash a... One inch range, five attacks, twos by threes, rend one, damage two. Cunning, one inch range, five attacks, twos by threes, rend one, damage two. His mighty fists and tails is one inch range, nine attacks down to six. Brendan, that's a total of 19 attacks there that I'm counting. Yes. Correct. Okay. And you can make those so they are damage. You talk about adding. Adding one. Oh, adding one of the damage. Right, to so make it damage three. Or damage four. And damage four. You get yes. plus one damage on all the profiles. That's monstrous. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yep. Oh my god. So the fists and tails are threes and threes, ren two, damage three. Gordrak is a war master. If this unit is included in Orc War Clan's army, it is treated as a general, even if he is not. Mm. You know, the mount is a mount. Shocking, right? It can fly. Then you have the destructive bulk. If you carry out a stomp monstrous rampage with this unit and the enemy unit you pick suffers any mortal wounds, that enemy unit suffers an additional number of mortal wounds equal to the destructive bulk value on this unit's damage table. After all models slain by those mortal wounds have been removed, if there are no enemy uh, models within three inches of this unit, you can move this unit up to D6 inches, and then you can carry out another Stomp Monstrous Rampage with this unit, even though you've already carried out Stomp Monstrous Rampage in that phase. (laughs) Just nuts. So his destructive bulk table is four down to one. So he is a D3 plus that damage table. Yep. Now, and that's mortals. That's mortal wounds, yep. right, from the stomp monsters action. Now, with the mega boss, you can do D6 plus their table, mm-hmm. which, you know, pretty okay. This is the cost of named versus unnamed. Smasha, if the unmodified wound roll for an attack made with Smasha is four up and the target is a hero but not a wizard, the target suffers two mortal wounds and the sequence ends. Cool. Cunning is the same thing, but it's just a wizard. You've got the voice of Gork. When you pick this unit to issue a command, you can pick up to three friendly units to receive the command instead of one. Wow. This language Mm. needs to be clarified in the FAQ because at present, there is an interaction issue with when some command abilities may be received. Okay. For instance, all-out defense... You select the unit to receive it when a command ability is, you know, when they are the target of an attack. Yes. Another unit may issue that command. Gordrak may be the unit that issues. The unit that has to receive it 
is you know the one that is subject matter to the attack. Yes. But I have two other units that I have eligible from this rule. Does this mean that no other unit may receive all-out defense? May only the one unit receive it? May I pick two others? Mm-hmm. There is some language clarification that needs to occur. I expect the intent to be that whenever he is issuing them, you can pick three to receive it. Okay. Specifically, you know, Fair. whether or not they are the standard recipient of it. My interpretation is this is for that. Otherwise, the number of command abilities that you can use this on mm-hmm. is very limited, like extremely limited. Okay. And then the last rule, strength from victory. At the end of the combat phase, if any models were slain by a wound caused by an attack made by this unit in that combat phase, add one to the unit's wound characteristic and add one to the attack's characteristic of this unit's melee weapons, excluding those of its mount. Yeah. Very good. So next we have the Mega Boss, who's the generic big guy in the Maw Crusher. Mm-hmm. He's got 18 wounds, a little less. Four up staves still. Movement 12 down to six. And eight bravery has the roar again, but four attacks instead of six. That's the change there. And then a couple of these are very different, the melee profiles. So the first is the Gorehaka and Choppa, and this is the choices he has, correct? Yeah, so he can right. pick between a Gorehaka and Choppa. He doesn't get both like the other guy did. He doesn't get a Smash and a Cunning. No. He gets a Gorehaka and Choppa or a Boss Hack, a Boss Choppa and Rip Tooth Fist. Okay, so if he chooses the Gorehaka and Choppa, nine attacks, three by threes, minus one, two damage. If he chooses the chop it and the fist seven attacks three by threes minus one two damage and the mighty fist and tail is essentially the same except it's one less attack on the table it goes mm-hmm. instead of nine to six it goes from eight to five destructive bulk let's go there well before you skip oh. to that okay <laughs> now if you were just reading the profiles you'd say to yourself why on earth would i ever take the rip tooth fist over the other profile mm-hmm. well it's because the rip tooth fist is a shield yes and it changes your characteristic from a four up to a three up. Correct. It's not adding one to your save rolls. No. It's changing it from a three up from a four up to a three up. Which, which means, can then be modified. Which can then be modified yeah. to a two up. Or a one up. If you well if you stack Mystic Shield and But it's ignoring Rend and things like correct. that. Right. But you can always be successful on a two or better in that mm-hmm. situation. Where with Gordrak, you can never improve your save better than a three. Right, because it's only plus one. Yeah. Exactly. It's net yeah. plus one. So you can yeah. continue stacking other ones to ignore levels of rend, but it's a three-up base. Yep, which is pretty mm-hmm. powerful, especially with a big guy like this, man. Yeah. And you give him an amulet, oh, man. Tough to move. Tough target. Tough target. Okay, uh, that covers the shield piece. You just explained mm-hmm. that. And then we have destructive bulk, which is... It's the same. Except the table's a little smaller. Instead of four to one, it goes from three to zero. Fine. Uh, we have the skull shaking bellow. When you pick this unit to issue a command, you can pick up the three friendly units, the same thing you talked about before. The difference is, uh, is that the mega boss is specifically keyworded iron jaws. Yes. Where Gordrak has no it's keyword limitation. Anybody. He is also not keyword limited, right? So keyword limitations occur typically on heroes, meaning that they would gain benefits from specific sub-factions. Okay. An unnamed character is... Almost never going to be okay. keyword locked. Right. But the benefit to Gordrak here is when you take him in something like a big Wah army, which we'll talk about here at the end, mm-hmm. and you have multiple different kinds of orc units, mm-hmm. Gordrak can issue it to any kind. He can of issue orc. it to Cruel Boys or Bone Splitters or anybody. Yep. Okay. Mega bosses, you only get this benefit when Iron Jaws units are Part on of the receiving army. end. Okay. Yes. Got it. Strength of victory is the same mm-hmm. as it was for Gordrak. Yep. And yeah. 
So um, both of them are totems, which yes. is another interesting thing. That, so. It is pretty cool. But it's this big giant thing, so of course it's a totem. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like Rogue Idol is the same way. It's a totem. So we're going to take, Brendan, do you have any other comments on the, the Maw Crusher guys? No. Because otherwise we're going to take a quick break, okay. listeners, and we're going to come back and talk about the rest of the book. We'll be right back. Here's to five miserable months on the wagon and all the irreparable harm that it's caused me. Folks, we're back, and we're going to jump right in here with the Orc Mega Boss. So, Brendan, why don't you tell us about this big fella? Yep. And this is where kind of the limitations of the Iron Jaw stuff start showing up. Okay. And this is the speed of the non-mounted portions of the army. Mm-hmm. Now, you fix that a little bit with Mighty Destroyers and Hand of Gork and, and things like that. But when you look at your base foot troops, an Orc Mega Boss has a characteristic that you are going to see over the next, I think it's five War Scrolls. <laughs> yeah. Movement four. Three up save, bravery eight, seven wounds. Movement four does quite a bit of limitation, especially when you're a more elite army, like Iron Jaws tends to be. Being movement four in a Horde army is a little bit less of a problem. Mm-hmm. A weapons characteristic has the boss chop on rip tooth fist, range one inch, eight attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage two. Pretty good. He has the ear splitting bellow where he can pick up to two friendly iron jaws units to receive the command instead of one when he issues it. That's pretty clear. Yep. yep. Right. Well, it's the same issue as the other ones. Right. It's just two versus three and iron jaws versus not iron jaws, but who sure. receives it? Blah, 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 blah. Go yeah. listen to my last you know, dissertation. <laughs> right. He's got dead fighty. If this unit is destroyed in the combat phase and it is not fought in that combat phase, it can fight immediately. Then it is removed from play. He has strength from victory, which is the same as the other ones. Mm-hmm. At 140 points, I think he's interesting. I think this is the least expensive he's ever been. Seven wounds on a three-up save. You know, he gets lookout, sir. He fits into the sub-commander slots in terms of, you know, allocation, things like that. He's interesting. I don't know necessarily that you build your list around the War Scroll, but mm-hmm. at a 140-point fighty character isn't bad. Yeah, yeah. He could do some damage. Mm-hmm. Throw him in. But the next we have the War Channer. <clears throat> he has six wounds, four-inch four move. Yeah, okay. Four up saves, seven bravery. He has a gork and a mork stick. One inch range, six attacks, three by threes, no rend, D3 damage. Violent fury in your hero phase. You can pick one friendly Iron Jaws unit wholly within 15. Until your next hero phase, add one to the damage inflicted by the attacks made with melee weapons by that unit. Unit cannot benefit from this ability once more, more than once per phase. Wow. Mm-hmm. Nice. Very nice. Okay. So that's the one with the one sub faction where you get to pick three. Mm-hmm. Brutes and Ard Boys units in any combination thereof to be the recipients of that. That's pretty good because as we'll as we get to those scrolls, you'll see they take buffs well. Yeah, absolutely, and there are enough of them mm-hmm. in those units at least. Then we have War Beats. When you pick the unit to be part of your army, you can pick one of the following. So you have to pick that when you pick it to be part of your army. Yeah. So at roster construction, right? Okay, list construction for you to know and write it on your army roster. The unit can only attempt a War Beat that it knows. When this unit attempts its War Beat, roll a dice on a three up. This attempt is successful. It's kind of like a priest. Yep. Functions the same way. He's a hitting priest. Yeah, a punchy priest. Okay. This unit cannot attempt a war beat that has been attempted by another friendly unit in the same turn. Works the same way as spells. We know that's the mm-hmm. same kind of thing. Spells set. and prayers. Yep. yep. Punching priest. Yeah, there we go. So fix a beat. This war beat can be attempted in your hero phase. If the attempt is successful, pick one friendly model within 12 inches. 
and heal at the D3 wounds. Okay, fair enough. Get them beat. This is one that can be attempted at the start of your charge phase. If the attempt is successful, pick one friendly Iron Jaws unit, wholly within 12 inches. In that charge phase, you can attempt to charge with that friendly Iron Jaws unit if it is within 18 inches and you roll 3d6 instead of 2d6. That's really useful. Yep. That's really, really good. This war beat can be attempted at the start of the combat phase, the killer beat. If uh, the attempt is successful, pick one enemy unit within 12 inches, just within. Mm -hmm. Add one to hit rolls for attacks made with melee weapons that target that enemy unit. Yep. Uh, War chancers are must-takes in Iron Jaws or Big Wah. Just plain and simple. When I played, uh, I think it was Keith's I mean, he had two of them. Yeah. So they it, were it's just really a question good. of how many are you taking. Yeah. Like, that ends so up being good. A, so, so good. All right. Now we got the Weird Knob. Yes. Yeah, so the Weird Knob Shaman, movement four, five up save, bravery six, six wounds. He has the Wastaff, one inch range, three attacks, fours by threes, rend one, damage D3, one cast, one unbind wizard. He has the Brutal Power. If this unit is within 12 inches of 10 or more other friendly Iron Jaws models, at the end of your hero phase, you can attempt to cast the green puke spell in addition to any other spells it can cast, even if a wizard has already attempted to cast the green puke spell in that hero phase. Okay. So green puke is a spell that has a casting value of a 6 and range of 2d6. If successfully cast, pick one point on the battlefield within the range and visible the caster. Draw a straight line between that point and the closest point on the caster's base. Each unit that has models passed across by that line suffer d3 mortal wounds. Fine. Yeah, whatever. You're taking him for the lore spells. Like, sure. if you get a cool damage spell out of it, you know, neat. Right. There you go. Now, next one is Auric Brutes. And I've seen plenty of these, man. Brutes got an awesome War Scroll overhaul. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. So, so, this is one of your battle line units in Iron Jaws. It's uh, three wounds, bravery six, four up save, four inch move, as we talked about. Now, there's a lot of choices here. In terms of what they can take, they can be armed, it says, with one of the following weapons options. Brute Choppas or Gore Hackas. Yep. So that is the first immediate choice that you have to take. Yep. Your unit is armed with either that or the other. And one in every five models can replace their weapons option with a Gore Choppa, which is the third listing in the melee weapons mm -hmm. here. One model can be a Brute Boss, replace the model's weapon option with a Boss Choppa or a Boss Claw and a Brute Smasher. So let's go through the list then, since we've talked about all the different things. I mm -hmm. wanted to go through that first. So we got the Brute Chop is his four attacks, three by threes, minus one, one damage. It being range one is one inch is what you take on units of five, no matter what. Right. Then you have the Gore Hack is his two inches, three attacks, three by threes, minus two rend, one damage. You take this if it's 15, no matter what. I think that there is an argument for either or in the 10, depending on what it is that you want to do with that unit in particular. I would be hard-pressed to not take the two-inch range weapon, though, at anything above five. Okay. And that makes sense because of coherency and mm -hmm. so forth, right? Then we have the Gore Choppa, which is two inches, three attacks, four by threes, minus two, two damage. And then the Boss Choppa, which is one inch, three attacks, three by threes, minus one, two damage. And then the Claw and the Smasha is one inch, four attacks, four by threes, minus one, two damage. Then we have you messing. It's a question here. <laughs> Enemy models with a wounds characteristic of one that within three inches of this unit cannot contest objectives. Wow. Yeah. That's really good. You know, bear in mind, it's models within three. So if you have a unit of, say, 30 skeletons and 15 of them are within three inches of the brutes and 15 of them are not, 
15 of them count to that objective if they are within range. The other 15 do not. Okay, got it. Thank you. And then duff up the big thing. Add one to hit rolls for attacks made by this unit that target a unit with a wounds characteristic of four or more. Well, that means they're going to be rolling on twos and threes. Yeah, it makes a lot. Yeah, a lot of your stuff hits on twos. Pairing with the War Chanter's Violent Fury, which is automatic. There's not a dice roll affiliated with it. Most of your profile is going to be damaged, too. That's you know, crazy. Pairing that with, you know, further with the turn in which you take your Iron Jaws Wah, you can be Ren 2 or Ren 3 on your entire profile. Mm-hmm. That's so good. It's excellent. It's very good. That's so good, Brennan. All right. Ard Boys. Why don't you yeah. talk about the Ard Boys? Ard Boys, another one of your battle line choices. Four inch move, four up save, bravery five, two wounds. They have the Ard Boy Choppas. One inch range, three attacks, fours by threes, no Ren, damage one. Champion adds one to the attacks characteristic. Two in every five can have an Auric Forge Shield. Mm-hmm. An Auric Forge Shield gives a ward save of a six plus. Okay. So, not bad. Right. Standard Bearer adds one, if they are the Glyph Bearer, adds one to the Bravery characteristic of the units. The Musician adds one to Charge Rolls. And then they have Drawn to the Wall. If this unit's champion issues the Rally Command to this unit while this unit is wholly within 12 inches of a friendly War Chanter, you can return one slain model to this unit for each roll of a four up instead of a six. So, super rally. That's Taking these in their max size units is pretty good because you're going to be able to, when paired with everything correctly, right, you're going to be able to, to heal them back up. Having the number of attacks that they do, great. Being able to up it to damage two, great. The only thing that really kind of stinks is hitting on fours. Right, you know, you can all attack with it, but in that instance alone, you know, I've we've just described a, a turn in which you are regularly spending four command points on them per battle round. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a sizable investment, and in many sure. cases, that's all of your command points. So on one unit, yeah, they're good. They fill a different role than they did before, but I think brutes occupied some of that role, and then they serve a slightly different one. And then obviously, <coughs> piggies. Yeah, piggies come next. The Gorgonas. Nine inch move, five wounds, four up save, six bravery. And they get a choice between Choppas and Gorehackas. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the Gorehackas are two inch range, three attacks, three by threes, minus one, one. And then the Choppas are one inch range, but four attacks, same profile, three by threes, minus one, one damage. <clears throat> and then the Piggies are one inch range, four attacks, three by threes, no rend, one damage. The champion adds one to the attack's characteristic, of course. And then we have the Gorgon to charge. After modeling this unit finishes a charge move, roll a dice for each enemy unit within one inch. Add one to the roll if the model is armed with a Gore Hacka. Okay. On a three up, that enemy unit suffers one mortal wound. All right. If this so impact hits, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for little guys. All right. If this unit has more than one model, Roll to determine if mortal wounds are caused after each model finishes its charge move, but do not allocate the mortal wounds until after all the models in the unit have finished their charge moves. We've seen that before. Yep. It's very familiar. So these are battle line in the blood tooth uh, subfaction, mm-hmm. which is you know, which is fine. Them not being battle line straight through means that you're gonna definitely see some different army constructions mm-hmm. coming out of the Iron Jaws part of the War Clans book. Now these guys can they can be destroyed or they can be some other things mm-hmm. to get them to do that two or three. So they can move 18, maybe even 27, right? If No, they can only move I mean, 18. they can move the 18. Okay, they can get the plus move in their hero phase. Only. Yes. Okay. And then you've got the two Underworld's Warbands, which right. we really Whatever. don't talk about. That's it for Iron Jaws. We're going to swing back to the front of the book. <laughs> okay, sure. We're going to talk about Bone Splitters real quick. And you hear pages turning in the background, of course. 
We've got 80, page 86. Yeah, bullet yep. splitters. Here we go. Three sub-factions as always. War paints. Let's start with that one. Pretty straightforward. Friendly bone splitters units have a ward of six up, which is good. Yeah. Because their saves are crap. <laughs> So that's appropriate, okay? Once per battle, the next one is the WOG. So this is their WOG. Yep. Talked about the other two having their own. Once per battle, at the start of the combat phase, you can pick one friendly Bone Splitters general on the battlefield and say that they're calling a Bone Splitters WOG. If so, until the end of that phase, friendly Bone Splitters units have a four-up save, ward save instead of a six-up. Okay. There you go. Yeah, something. Situational. Yeah. Not, I don't think it's bad. I think it lacks the power of the other two. Sure. Then they've got the Spirit of Gorka Morka. Mm-hmm. If the unmodified hit roll of an attack made with a melee weapon by a friendly Bone Splitters unit ha- that has five or more models is a six, that attack scores two hits on the target instead Splitting of one. Sixes. It's important to note it's melee weapons only now. And then they have the tireless trackers after deployment, but before the first battle round begins, half of the Bone Splitters units in your army pretty good rounding up can move up to five inches if both players can move units before the first battle round begins they must roll off and the winner chooses who moves their units first okay close the distance right why not because with this army you definitely need to then you've got your command traits you've got big bosses and wizards only so we'll start with the big bosses first one just kill an instinct if the unmodified hit roll for an attack made with a melee weapon by this general is a six, that attack causes one mortal wound to the target in addition to any damage it inflicts. Okay. Yeah, and then we have Great Hunter. If this general is part of your army, when you use the Tireless Tracker's battle trait, you can move eight inches instead of five. That's quite good. That's huge. That is quite good. Yep, that's big time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you've yeah. got Monster Killer. In the combat phase, after this general is fought for the first time in that phase, they can fight for a second time if they are within three inches of an enemy monster. Okay. Fine, whatever. Sorry. He's kind of squishy. I don't know that you want him fighting monsters anyways. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The one savage big boss, yeah. And then wizards, Dan? Yeah, and there's a few wizards in this army. It's kind of fun. One with the beast. That's the first one. You can pick one extra spell for this general. Great. Okay. And, and then voice of the great green god. When this general issues a command, it can be received by a friendly unit wholly within 24 instead of 18. Great. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, coolio. Great stuff. If your general is a wizard. Okay. Yes. <laughs> All right. Then artifacts for Bone Splitters heroes. <sighs> okay, so the heroes, Doc Juice, once per battle in your hero phase, you can heal up the D6 wounds allocated to the bear. It's kind of like the chalice for the vampires. <laughs> yeah. To, somebody used to have that. Yeah. So what about the next one? Lucky Bone, once per phase, you can reroll either one hit or one wound roll for an attack made by the bearer, or you can reroll one save roll for an attack that targets the bearer. Mm. Okay. okay. Yeah. That last one, though. Add two to ward rolls for the bear. It gives him a four-up ward save. Yes. Wow. And in the Wah turn, a two-up ward save. Yes. Craziness. Mm-hmm. Then the Bone Split of Wizards, Mork's Bony Bits. You can add one to casting, dispelling, and unbinding rolls for the bear for each enemy monster within 24 inches. Mm-hmm. Cool. And then Beast Lore Glyphs, once per battle. At the start of your hero phase, you can pick one spell from the lore and that the bear does not know and has not attempted to cast during the battle. The bear can attempt to cast that spell in that hero phase in addition to any other spells they can attempt to cast. Cool. That one's situational. I don't love it. I don't hate it. But it's mm. one that I can see application for. Sure. That makes sense. Uh, so they have, yes, so they have their lore. They have four spells, the first of which is Squiggly Curse. <laughs> Casting value of a six. If successfully cast, pick one enemy hero within three inches of the caster. Who bad start. Uh, that hero suffers D3 mortal wounds. If that hero is slain by those mortal wounds, you can add one to casting rolls for that caster for the rest of the battle. 
Sure, uh, I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Glowy Green Tusks is a spell that has a casting value of 5 and a range of 18 if successfully cast. Pick one friendly bone, split his unit wholly within range, invisible to caster, until the start of your next hero phase. Improve the rend characteristics of weapons used by that unit's mounts by 2. Nice. Yeah, that's all right. That'll be good. Yeah, good stuff. Gorka Morka's Warcry, casting value of a 7 and a range of 12. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within range and visible to the caster. In the following combat phase, that unit can only be picked to fight at the end of that phase. Then we have Power of the Werebore is a spell about the casting value of 6. So these are reasonable casting values, at least. Largely, yes. And a range of 24. If successfully pick one friendly bone splitters unit wholly within range, 24 inches, invisible of the caster. Until your next hero phase, add 1 to run rolls and charge rolls for that unit. And add 1 to hit rolls for attacks made by that unit. But that unit cannot shoot. Okay. Yeah, that's not bad. That's not that big a deal. And the sub-factions? Yes. Add 1 to the attacks characteristics of missile weapons used by friendly bone grind Savage Orc Arrow Boys. You know, yeah. They don't have exploding sixes on the arrows anymore, so an extra tax is... And they're not doing mortals. They're just doing damage. Yep. Yep. Ice Bone is the next one. Yeah, you guys get to use this you, with all your ice and snow bases, man. Yeah. <laughs> At least it'd be thematic. If the unmodified wound roll for an attack made with an, a melee weapon by a friendly Ice Bone model is six, that attack causes the number of mortal wounds to the target unit equal to the weapon's damage characteristic and the attack sequence ends. All right? Cool. Yeah, so I mean, that one's good. The issue is is it's the wounds characteristic, so mm. you're naturally going to be rolling less dice than you were in the uh, hit roll, except when you consider the fact that sixes to hit explode, so you're potentially recovering a fair few amount of dice in that space. Okay. The last of which is Drakfoot. Yeah. Ward rolls cannot be made for wounds and mortal wounds caused by attacks made by friendly Drakfoot units. Okay. Situational. Very. Yeah, but still, certainly not without value. Nope, not at all. So then we go over to you know the actual War Scrolls for the the Savage Orcs. The first of which is the Wargog Prophet, who has probably the single best rule in Warhammer. Yes. <laughs> uh, movement five, five up save, bravery eight, seven wounds. It's true. He's got two melee weapons, his staff, one-inch range, three attacks, fours by threes, rend one, damage D3. And of all the uh, bone splitters models, he is just amazing. I still love this model. Well, this is the old Warzag model. Yeah, and I've got it painted up on all my shelf with a bunch of other stuff. I don't know why I painted Oh, that was for my crazy, stupid yeah, your, soup army I your had Your destruction here. soup. Yeah, but it was such a cool... Cool model. And then you've got the fanged maw of his squiggly beast. One inch range, two attacks, fours by threes, no rend, damage one. Uh, he's a two cast, two unbind wizard. So you're getting pretty good value out of this character. Mm-hmm. He has the mask. At the start of your hero phase, instead of attempting to dispel an endless spell or cast any spells with this unit, so you're making a sizable trade. Pick one enemy unit within 12 inches of this unit that is visible and roll a dice. On a three-up, the enemy unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. <laughs> this is so stupid. If you wish, you can say that this unit will continue staring at the enemy unit. If you do so, roll an additional <laughs> dice. On a three-up, the enemy unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. On a one to two, this unit suffers D6. <laughs> I can't believe that. It's... You can keep rolling additional dice in this way until the enemy oh. unit is destroyed, the unit is destroyed, or you decide to stop. That is just so orky. I love that rule. So you can take six of these if you want. Oh, sure. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, so crazy, though. The War Scroll spell is the Fist of Gork. Yeah, yeah. Casting value of a five and range of 24. Pick one enemy <laughs> unit within range. 
and roll a number of dice equal to the number of models in that unit. For mm. each six, the unit suffers one mortal wound. Yep. If the casting value roll was a ten or more, that unit suffers one mortal wound for each four up instead of each We've six. We've seen this before, yep. The interesting thing here is he has the totem keyword. Mm-hmm. So whether or not he's your general, he can be issuing command abilities at 18 inches. Sure. Very cool, yeah. With the mask rule, it's just so mm. great. <laughs> I could take D6. Yeah, yeah, I'm only going to roll ones and twos. I roll a six, I'm almost dead. <laughs> and I didn't do anything to you. That's just too much. Yeah. <laughs> With some statistically out of sorts dice, yes. you can get uh, hot uh, and kill anything. Sure. So, oh, sure. Or die. Yeah, quickly. or die. Die quickly. <laughs> yeah, die quickly or kill something you have no business. <laughs> okay. The next one is the Savage Big Boss. And this is... This is the Savage Big Boss, right? The one thing. It has that keyword, too. So that was when we got back to, what was it, traits? This is the only model that can take that? Because mm-hmm. there's only one Savage Big Boss here in this army, right? It's heroes, I, I, I believe. Because it specifies Savage Big Boss heroes, though. Yes, it does. Yeah, okay, you're right. Yeah, That's why when I look through this, I'm like, wow, that's kind of limited, but whatever. Six wounds, six up save, seven bravery, five inch move. Boss Champa is one inch range, six attacks, three by threes, minus two, two damage. So that's minus respect- one, two damage. Minus one, thanks. Yep. Respectable, though. After this unit has fought in combat phase for the first time, you can pick one friendly bone splitters unit that has not yet fought in the combat phase that it was in within three inches of enemy unit and wholly within 12 of this, that unit can fight immediately pretty good the other thing that you have to remember is when we're talking about bone splitters units in particular they are on a budget mm-hmm. like the wargog prophet a two caster with the ability to do a fair few mortal wounds is only 150 points right right a savage big boss is 65 points mm-hmm. so it's not like the other ones that we've talked about where your prices are more in line with some of the other stuff because of how squishy everything here is. You're go- Agreed. You're going to need a few of them to, yeah. to get to the other side. And then we have another wizard. This is the second wizard in this army. This army has three wizards, which is Coolio. We have the weird knob, right? 12-inch move, so he moves fast, of course, because he's got a mount. Six wounds, six up save, seven bravery. He has the beast bone staff, one inch range, three attacks, four by threes, minus one rend, D3 damage, and then tusks and hoos from the boar, four attacks, four by fours, no rend, one damage, typical mount attack profile. Uh, He can cast one, unbind one, and the bone spirit is his spell, has a casting value of seven and a range of 12. If successfully cast, pick one friendly bone splitters unit, wholly within range, invisible of the caster until your next hero phase. Add one to wound rolls for attacks made with melee weapons by that unit. Yeah. And then the Tusker charge, add one to hit wound rolls for attacks made with Tusk and Hoos by this unit if made a charge. So you're on three by threes with one damage. Ooh, that's so good. Uh, no. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Brendan, go ahead. Talk about the last wizard. Here. So you've got the Wardock, who no longer has the priest keyword. He's five inch move, six up save, bravery seven, five wounds. The Wardock has one melee attack with one inch range, fours by threes, rend one, damage d3. He's a one cast, one unbind wizard, but more importantly, you're taking him for the ritual dance rule. So at the start of your hero phase, instead of attempting to dispel an endless spell or cast any spells with this unit, you can say this performing one of the following dances. The Grimdock dance, you pick a bone splitter's model within 12 inches and roll a dice, and on a three up, you heal D3 wounds allocated to them. Okay. The Glyph Dock dance, pick one friendly 
Bone Splitter's unit wholly within 12 inches and roll a dice, and on a 3-up, add 1 to save rolls for attacks that target that unit until your next hero phase. A unit cannot be affected by this dance more than once per phase. And in the Weird Dock Dance, pick one friendly Bone Splitter's wizard within 12 inches of this unit and roll a dice. On a 3-up, add 1 to casting, dispelling, and unbinding rolls for that wizard until your next hero phase. A unit cannot be affected by this dance more than once per phase. I would be looking to use the Weird Dock Dance to buff up either the Wargog, you know, casting Fist of Gork, or the Maniac Weird Knob if you're looking to get off plus one wound, or if there's a specific lore spell that you're looking to achieve. In terms of the mechanic, they do function like a priest because they're rolling a three up to get something to go off, but they have... But there's no counterplay right, to it. but there's nothing to it, right. Mm-hmm. Right. So... So on to the units. Yeah. So we have Savage Orcs. Mm-hmm. Here we go. They are two wounds, five up save, five bravery, five inch move. They have a choppa, which is one inch, two attacks, four by threes, no rend. There's not a whole lot of rend here, by the way. No. Uh, you are going damage. to be solving most of your problems by volume yeah. or in the ice bone with mortal wounds right. in the wound roll. Okay. And the Savage Sticker. Is two inches, two attacks, four by fours instead of four by threes, and no rend one damage. So the champion adds one to the tax characteristic standard bearer, one on every ten, add one to bravery, which is good because they're bravery five. Musician, one on every ten. You can add one to charge rolls, okay, and as you said, they need to get across the board, so that's mm. useful. Uh, the primal surge, add one to wound rolls for attacks made by this unit if it made a charge move. That's certainly helpful given the fact that there's no rend there, so you want to get, as you said, a lot of wounds through if you can. So that's helpful. That makes it two or three for a wound. Yep. All right. Coolio. They're okay. They're 165 points for 10. They're more cost efficient than the gut rippers, but the cut rippers, you're typically paying for how many mortal wounds you're going to do just naturally. Next up, you have the Savage Boar Boys. They are 12 inch move, three wounds, five up save, bravery five. They have to pick between the Champa or the Savage Sticker. Champa is one inch range, two attacks, fours by threes, no ren, damage one. The sticker is two inch range, two attacks, fours by fours, no ren, damage one. The tusks and hooves are one inch range, three attacks, fours by fours, no ren, damage one. You've got the lore spell though that can get them to ren two if you're so inclined. Champion adds one to its melee weapons. The standard bearer adds one to its bravery. The musician adds one to its charges. The tusker (laughs) charges adds one to hit rolls and wound rolls for the attacks made with the stavage sticker or tusks and hooves by this unit if this unit made a charge move in the same turn. It's incentivizing you to take the sticker to move up to threes and threes across the whole profile. Sure. Which, fine, that's historically how cavalry units have have performed. Sure. Fun to have on the board. I know that. They were fun to paint and fun to use. And their battle line in an icebone army... And then we have Big Stabus, the guys with the giant toothpick. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's that's what it is. <laughs> Four wounds, five inch moves, six up safe, six bravery. Their attack profile is a three inch range on the Gork Tooth. Three attacks, three by threes, minus two rend, two damage. So that's that's good. Each time a model in this unit is slain by an attack made with a melee weapon. Before the model is removed from play, pick one enemy unit within three inches of the slain model and roll a dice. Add two if it was a monster. On a four up, the enemy unit suffers D3 mortal wounds okay yeah and you get two of them for 80 points yeah. right okay. and it's 145 points for the boar boys so or sorry it's 140 points for the boar boys so as we're kind of thinking about you know what roster construction looks like for the bone splitters this is the one that to me is a little less obvious so keep these points in the back of your mind as we're talking okay sure next up is the savage auric more boys they are five inch move six up save bravery six they're a little braver two wounds 
They've got the Champa in two shiv, one inch range, three attacks, fours by threes, no ren, damage one. Champion adds one to the attacks characteristic. Standbear adds one to the bravery. Musician adds one to the charge. Morboy Fury add one to the attacks characteristic of this unit's melee weapon if this unit made a charge move in the same turn. So that's okay. Their battle line in a Drakfoot army, they're 10 for 155 points. Mm. But they are on 32s. They have a worse save. Mm. No. They're situational, and we'll get to that situation shortly. And except for the giant toothpick guys, nobody's had any rend so far. No. No rend at all mm. in their profiles. So next we have the Savage Boar Boy Maniacs. Oh, this is so much better. Three wounds, 12-inch move, six-up save. So their save isn't quite as good, but they're braver with a six-up bravery than the other Boar Boys. Mm. They have Chompas again. One inch, three attacks, four by threes, one damage. Tusks and hooves, again, three attacks, four by fours, one damage. Champion, standard bear, musician, all do the same thing. Now we have Maniac Fury. Add one of the attack characters if this unit is Chompas, if it made a star. A star. A star move. A yeah. star move. Yeah, yes. you know, the star move. This is awesome. Charge move in the same turn. And then the Tusker charge and one of the hit wound rolls for attacks made with Tusk and Hoos if it made a charge. So then they're three by threes. Okay. All right. Yeah, fine. Something. Whatever. As you said, it's volume then. You know, right. It kind of has to be that. So the Savage Boar Boy Maniacs are 145 points for five. I don't necessarily see that there's a ton of roll for them over just the regular Savage Boar Boys. Mm-hmm. But... Five points, five points, five points. Yeah. Last up in terms of the normal roster is the Savage Orc Arrow Boys. Movement five, six up save, bravery five, two wounds. You know, to the people that owned, you know, 120 of these, I'm sorry. They're not very good anymore. <laughs> yeah. The Sting of Bow, 18 inch range, two attacks, fives by fours, no ren damage one. They have a Bone Shiv, one inch range, two attacks, fours by fours, no ren damage one. And the boss replaces his Bone Shiv with a Champa, uh, which is one inch range, two attacks, fours by threes, no ren damage one, which is exactly what you're looking for on a ranged unit. Absolutely. Standard Bearer adds one to the Bravery. Musician adds one to the charge rolls. Then you have aim for its eyes, improve the run characteristics of an attack made with a Sting of Bow by one if the target is a monster. Now... <laughs> Brendan, this is in the world where there's a lot of shooting and people think there's value in shooting, which there is. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, as you said, these guys just aren't that good if you crunch the numbers. Yes. They just are not that good, even if you take them in a specific sub-faction and they can add one to their attack characteristics. Okay. But just to kind of run the numbers real quick, you know, and I was looking at this, three attacks, if you take a, a blob of 30 of them, you're paying 450 points roughly, something like that. 30 attacks on a five up, let's say you devote a command point to this, that 90 goes down to 45 hits. It goes down to, let's be generous mathematically and say they get 23 wounds. Okay. Like, Against somebody who has a three-up save, even go to a four-up save. What is that, 12 damage? Yeah. Okay. I, I just, yeah. And it's a quarter of your army to get 30 of these guys. Mm-hmm. To get the volume you need to make them do something. And so that has been the traditional school of thought on how to play bone splitters up until this book. Right? Okay. Is these big mobs that take buffs well. Okay. And this is the end of the bone splitter section. There's an Underworlds Warband. Right. It's shockingly okay. It's not as good as the Daughters of Cain one, but it's all right. Not okay. the point. Bone splitters, I think the way to be successful with bone splitters now okay. is to go ice bone, right? The one where you do your damage characteristics of mortal wounds mm-hmm. against on sixes to wound rolls. Okay. So in order to get there, that is a volume-based problem. Yes. 
that is just strictly as many models as you can get on the field, as many attacks as you can get on the field, as fast as you can on the field. So you're going to take a metric boatload of boar boys and guys on foot and heroes to support behind them in minimum units because their bravery is junk. Don't waste your points on inspiring presence. I say all of this totally unproven and without any sort of of scientific backing. But as I'm picturing how this wins games, you take the eight inch move to just Mm -hmm. move up at the start of the game. Sure. And then you just scream everything across the board and build a wall and then have units behind it and build a wall and have units behind it and then throw as much stuff as you can against as many units as you can and force your opponent to have to split attacks or remain in combat or potentially both forever. And if you kill 10, there's 10 more waiting. Yes. You kill those 10, there's 10 more waiting. Yes. Yep. You're moving away from the large bricks of anything. Now, Mm. you absolutely can have large bricks of stuff, but remember, you only have four reinforcement points. This is something I wish they'd consider from a design perspective of modifying that for some kinds of armies. Like an army like Bone Splitters or, you know, goblins, you know, down the road. I don't see why you can't have six reinforcement points for armies that are supposed to have a lot of models that are supposed to be in big units. Right. Yep. Agreed. I agree. I, I don't know why, and maybe it is something that will be considered down the road in terms of stuff that we see. I'm not sure why that decision wasn't made here for that particular mm. allegiance. I okay. don't think Cruel Boy should have it. I don't think Iron Jaw should have it. I do think that Bone Splitter should have access to sure. more and more stuff. So we'll pop over to Big Wah as our last allegiance ability, and then yeah. we've got some army construction things to talk about, and then... Yes. Closing thoughts on the book. Sure. So, Dan, start with the Big Wah. What's important to know here? Big Wah uses the following three battle traits, and this is important. Mm-hmm. So they use venom-encrusted weapons. For your cruel boys. Check. Yep. Mighty destroyers. Check. For your iron jaws. War paint. Check. For your bones. Oh, there you go. So you get the best, really. You could argue not the best, but you get some pretty powerful rules that you're rolling over mm-hmm. from all three of those uh, factions. Here we go. Here we go, and then we, here we go again. This is a heroic action that you can carry out with one friendly war clan's hero instead of picking one from the table in the core rules. If you do roll a dice, if the roll is greater than the number of the current battle round, you receive the number of wog points equal to the number of the current battle round. For example, in the third battle round, on a roll of four up, you receive three wog points. Why are the wog points important? Because they allow you to buy stuff. This is the meta currency for the big wog. Yes. Is what this is, right? Yes. Okay, so why don't you talk to us about what we get for our money there, Brendan? Well, first, let's talk about how you generate, right? So the first one here is here we go, here we go, here we go, which is a heroic action, as Dan said, right? and is variable. With your bravery being as low as it is, healing is not something that you're going to regularly want to participate in. Finest hour is something that you will occasionally dabble in, but otherwise... There's going to be a fair few amount of times where just getting more WA points is going to be something that you're going to be interested in. Okay. So at the start of your hero phase, you get D6 if your general's on the battlefield. Okay. At the start of your hero phase, if there are any friendly war chanters on the battlefield, you get two. So if you have three war chanters, you get the same number of points as if you have one. Correct. Okay. You get one at the start of your hero phase if there are any number of friendly bone splitter wizards on the battlefield. Okay. You get one point in your charge phase for each friendly auric unit that finishes a charge move. Okay. So if your whole army charges, you get one point for every unit that charged. A bazillion, yeah. That's good. And then at the end of each combat phase, for each friendly orc unit that is within three inches of an enemy unit, you get a point. 
And this is great because, Brendan, go back to the Bone Splitters Wizards. Since you are going to have, as you said, six profits on the board, <laughs> you will get six points in turn. No, just, no, no, no. Listeners, no, just no, no, no. little levity there just for as we move on. Okay, go ahead. Yes. <laughs> go ahead. As you collect these points, you get to different gates. And once you've accumulated this many points, you unlock that ability. And then as you move up the table, you keep that ability and everything that you unlock after it. Right, so this basically functions, as I see it, Brendan, as summoning does in a lot of other armies where you have summoning points, you bring stuff in. In this case, what you're summoning is the power of the walk. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how that functions. Yep, when you have accumulated eight points, you can add one to run rolls for friendly auric units. Not bad. Mm -hmm. When you get to ten, you get everything, you know, you get the add one to run rolls plus you add one to charge rolls for friendly auric units mm -hmm. and you know this will be the same so on and so forth at 12 all of the above plus add one to casting dispelling and unbinding rolls for friendly auric wizards mm -hmm. you yeah, know not bad 16 add one to hit rolls for attacks made with melee weapons by friendly auric units 20 add one to wound rolls for attacks made with melee weapons used by friendly auric units so at 20 you're plus one to run plus one to charge plus one to cast dispel and unbind Plus one to hit and plus one to wound. Army wide. As long for as you're the rest of the game. Until. Until. You get to 24 points. <laughs> this is where you can spend. So at Wa is 24 points. At the start of the combat phase, you can say that you will release the power of the Wa. If you do so, add one to the attacks characteristics of melee weapons used by friendly auric units for the rest of that phase. At the end of that phase, you lose all the Wa points you've received so far, and your army loses all the Wa powers it has gained so far. Now, it says you can release. Yes. Okay, so yes. you don't have to do this no. and lose all those other abilities. Okay, it's an option. It is. Right. But you'll have one turn where you have a zillion, million, billion attacks that are plus one, plus one. Yeah, <laughs> crazy. It's pretty good. Big Wah, though, means that you can pull from all three of the allegiances and play them together. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, they pulled some of the battle traits that you get to keep, so you're losing some of the overall togetherness effectiveness and you are encouraged here to play orc soup, if mm -hmm. you will. You know, what I mean by that is if you wanted to run an Iron Jaws list and you're sitting there looking you know, longingly at the Cruel Boys, Bolt Boys, and you go, I just wish I could take them. Well, this is your way that you do it. Now, you lose Smashin' and Bashin' as part of it and you lose the Iron Jaws Wah, but you gain this table and you gain access to bolt boys and their shamans to put shots down range it's not a bad thing but on the other hand you lose the ability to big big yellows in the big wah right. so you're left at 12 and 24 inches on those because big wah you don't get to take a sub faction correct yep you know because how on earth would you right you're yeah. right that just makes yeah well all my bone splitters are this and all my iron jaws right. are this <laughs> and all my and all my cruel boys are this well you took all three of the best ones well of course i did i the <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so, but, you know, in that same vein, you know, the Cruel Boys stuff loses the ability to take a unit of nine for the Bolt Boys because they're not battle line anymore. Mm -hmm. And you can't hide them because you can't cover them in mud. And you can only increase them one, reinforce them one level, right? Exactly. That's how you only get to six versus nine. And you, so to make up for that, you'd have to take two units of six or something. But that also means you're taking another Shaman. That's correct. Or, yeah. or whatever, right? Right, right. Big Wah forces different army construction decisions. And mm. I really like that they kept Big Wah in here for the people who are holistically orc collectors, right? And they want to play all their orcs together. But 
Big Wah, because it has access to all three of the Allegiance, ends up with a unique play style all of its own. Okay. Where Cruel Boys is its own thing, Iron Jaws is its own thing, Bone Splitters is something that's going to be kind of sorted out here in the future by people who really know that army and are, you know, more familiar with those mechanics than I am. And maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong, but Big Wah ends up being something totally different than all of them and can end up being the most balanced of the four of them mm. because it has access to all of them. But it's something that you can also take and push it into a very specific niche function if you know or you have a good estimate on what it is that you're going to see at an event. Mm. You can construct a list that includes the best of whatever it is that you're going to do with the counters that you need for that particular situation. Now, let me ask an army building question here, Mm -hmm. just so I understand. Because you're taking all three, or you can take all three, anything that is battle line if cannot be taken as battle line. Correct. Okay, just so So it's just the straight battle line in these instances. Okay. Now, you do get to pick command traits still. You do get to pick artifacts still. You do get your spells still. From any factions that you take. Right, you know, from your relevant subject matter. You know, you can't make a cruel boy shaman, you know, give him a... You know, an Iron Jaws Shaman spell. Right. But you have access to the Cruel Boys artifacts. Right. The enhancements that you would be eligible to take. You know, I've said previously in relationship to the other Warclans book, the one that preceded this one, that it was an army. It was a battle tome that I would recommend people, you know, look at as a, from a beginner's perspective because it has a little bit of everything. My opinion on that hasn't changed. It's maybe the route that you're going to spend time and energy on has been modified somewhat. I still think you start with Iron Jaws. I think you would probably want to bump over to Cruel Boys next, then maybe Bone Splitters or Big Wah, depending on, you know, what it is that we figure out as a collective unconscious. Uh, yeah, so let's talk about the last bits of this book, the new Italians and yeah. Grand Strategies and Battle Tactics. Sure. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the new, start, the new Grand Strategies. Obviously, you have War Scroll Battalions that will not go use, but Grand Strategies. For the first one, in and out lads, you can pick this Grand Strategy only if the model picked to be your general has the Cruel Boys keyword. When the battle ends, you complete this strategy if that general has not been slain and fewer than half of the units in your starting army have been destroyed. <laughs> Oof. That's, That's going to be tough. That's a tough uh, tough ask. Yeah. Show them who's boss. You can pick this grand strategy only if the model picked to be your general is the Iron Jaws keyword. When the battle ends, here, you complete this if two or more enemy heroes were slain by attacks made by that general and your general has not been slain. That one can be tough as well. Yep. Now, the hero killing part, not necessarily, because chances are your general is a Maw Crusher and your Maw Crusher can, you know, 1v1 just about Anything. any hero. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. But staying alive to the end of the battle can be quite a tall order because the Maw Crusher is a model that you're looking to just make positive points exchange on for the most part. Sure. If you can get a thousand points for a 500 point investment, you've come out quite far ahead. You know, you're going to lose them a lot. So get them bones. You can pick this strategy if the model picked to be your general has the bone split as keyword. After deployment, pick one terrain feature wholly within enemy terrain. When the battle ends, you complete the strategy if you control that terrain feature. Sure. Okay. Fine. Yeah. And then Crumple Mall. You can pick this grand strategy if your army includes Kragnos, Gobsprack, or Gordrak. When the battle ends, you complete this strategy if there are fewer than three enemy units on the battlefield. 
Okay. And then the last one here, Dan. Wah. When the battle ends, you complete the strategy if the model picked to be your general or a friendly battle line unit is wholly within enemy territory. Uh-huh. That one's very doable. Yeah, absolutely. That one's yeah. one that I'd look at and say, okay, yeah, I can build to this. Sure. The yeah. other four? Ugh. Oh, I don't know. I know. I don't know about some of those. No, I agree. Versus, of course... What you get in the core rules. Right. Right. Yeah. Hold the line or, or, or whatever. There's there's a bunch. Yes. That can much more easily be achieved. Yeah. Battle tactics then, Brendan. What about the first one? Yep. Time to get stuck in. You can pick this battle tactic only in your first or second turn. You complete this tactic if the model picked to be your general and all of the models in your army that are on the battlefield are within 12 inches of an enemy unit at the end of this turn. This one makes a lot of sense for Iron Jaws, mm-hmm. because most of your army you're going to be throwing at the line anyways. Sure. So, or if your opponent has already tagged you, you know, in your side of the board, you just go, okay. The problem is, though, is you got to be careful about which units you destroy. <laughs> of course. So, I don't mind that one. Wait for it, lads. You can pick this battle tactic if only if your army has at least 24 WA points. You complete this tactic if your army has at least 30 WA points at the end of the turn. So, this is where you wait until you get the 30. Mm. Okay. You can trigger this one and already have 30. Right. And you did right. it. You're just not going to spend them. I right. Mean, that's where we were talking about that. You have that choice all the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Squish to puny gets. You can pick this battle tactic only if the model picked you be your general is the Iron Jaws keyword. And there is at least one enemy battle line unit on the battlefield. You complete this tactic if there are no enemy battle line units on the battlefield Ooh. at the end of this turn. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> it's that's okay. pretty tough. That's another tough ask. It, I like that one only because it's the second time that you interact with the battle line, mm. battlefield role, sure. right? So you would pick, like in a previous turn, the broken ranks to destroy an enemy battle line unit. Mm-hmm. And then you do this to pick up some more points, potentially easy, on something that not everybody invests a lot of energy into and points into and synergies into, Okay, which is the battle line, battlefield role. Okay. Kill the biggin. You can pick this battle tactic only if the model picked to be your general has the bone split as keyword. Mm-hmm. Pick one enemy monster, you complete this tactic. That monster was slain by attacks made by friendly bone splitters units during this turn. Okay, well. Just like Squish to Puny gets, this is another one that interacts with, you know, bring it down kind of a thing. Right. So, right. more points for monsters. Sure. Take that, you suckers. You can pick this battle tactic if These the model are great. if the model you pick to be your general has the cruel boys keyword you complete this tactic if the following two criteria are met at least 10 wounds or mortal wounds in any combination that were caused by friendly units are allocated to enemy models this turn okay, okay. Huh. fewer than 10 wounds or mortal wounds in any combination that were caused by enemy units are allocated to friendly models in this turn yeah. This is what the ranged weapons are for. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you sit back, get this tactic, move on. Yep. And then Destroyer of Empires. You can pick this battle tactic only if a friendly Kragnos, you gotta take Kragnos, is on the battlefield. Pick one faction terrain feature on the battlefield that was set up by your opponent and that has not been demolished. You complete this tactic if that terrain feature is demolished this turn. You have to have Kragnos and your opponent has to have a piece of terrain. Okay. Yep. That's pretty conditional. Yeah. Pretty situational. You get three new core battalions. Hooray. <laughs> The first of which is the Iron Jaws Fist. It's two mandatory Iron Jaws troop units. So they're not leaders, not artillery, not behemoths. Three optional troop units. And as a result, you get Slayers, which is the, you can either do all out attack or unleash hell. Your Iron Jaws, so it's all out attack. And then next is the Cruel Boys Finga. So this is all Cruel Boys units. You have one one commander, sub commander. You have, and that's 
he's mandatory. You have mm-hmm. two troops and one optional troop are included. And then you have one optional Hobgrotz unit. That's kind of interesting. And the benefit here is that you get one extra command point at the start of your hero phase. Yep. In once per battle. There you go. Last one here is the Bone Splitter's Ruck. You get a mandatory sub-commander bone splitters leader you get two mandatory bone splitters troops three optional bone splitters troops and they gain swift which is the at the double or forward to victory command point one that's the book yeah right those are the new war scrolls those are your new battle strat you know battle tactics grand strategies spells traits artifacts all that you know i'll ask this question here at the end of it do you have any overarching thoughts on the book as a whole or maybe any specific allegiances that you kind of want to put thoughts to? I know you spent more time with the Stormcast book and I spent more, more time with the War Clans book <laughs> yes. in preparation for these shows. Sure. So I'm going to go through the different ones. I think I like looking overall at this book. Either you take Iron Jaws as Iron Jaws mm-hmm. or you take Big Wog. I think if you take Bone Splitters, you're going to have to be, as you talked about, one of those people who knows this army inside and out and can fit together that Rubik's Cube that is going to make a Bone Splitters only army do what you want it to do and win games. Mm. I think it's really challenging if you're not familiar with them based on what we see in the book right now. That's my thought on Bone Splitters. Iron Jaws, I think, can be very autonomous in terms of them being still on the table and still doing a lot of stuff to win games. I think they have the tools to do that. I think Cruel Boys, and you've talked about this with your own experience, I think they have some amazing units and amazing rules. I just think it's going to be a matter of time before people figure out that puzzle and figure out, but I think that's much more doable than the Bone Splitters puzzle. I think you only need to get practice with the cruel boys because as i look through that i'm looking through all the potential just shenanigans that they can pull (laughs) in their mortal wound output not just on the bolt boys there's a lot of other stuff in that book gut rippers and heroes and the vultures you know and the magic that they can do it's just there's so many different pieces and parts that i don't quite see them at the level that iron jaws are at but i see them certainly being a different kind of army and having a lot of potential the issue i have is the amount of damage that they can now they can do those all those mortal wounds hmm. but again we have to look at where things are now can they do the volume of damage that they need to do to take down those big units those things that we know are going to be there the giants or the archeons or the you know beast claw guy or whoever it is do they have what they need to be able to do that sure and so that's kind of my overall take on it i love the rules and i'm glad that they kept some of the units that they did in there i really like iron jaws if i was going to have an orc, you know, a war army, army, yeah. I would take Iron Judge just because of the models and everything else that goes with it. It's so cool. So but I think I would play a big wog also. Okay. Because I love the profit. I think it's such a fun model. The things that it can do, if I could fit that into an Iron Jaws army, that would be awesome. That'd be very cool. So that's my thoughts on this book, Brendan. Okay. What I'll do here is, you know, my closing thoughts on the book and Maybe I've uh, stacked the jury pool on this one a little <laughs> bit because you're echoing a lot of some of my very similar thoughts on this. Is I think the the first immediate big winner on this is Iron Jaws mm-hmm. because I think Iron Jaws is the most forgiving of okay. the armies that you can play. And that's not an indictment on anybody who wants to play Iron Jaws. Mm-hmm. It's just as most players you'll see aren't going to get frustrated when playing Iron Jaws because mm-hmm. when they make a mistake there are going to be things where you can recover from that. You know, mm-hmm. you may not win that game, but it's not going to be a an automatic catastrophic losing event. 
Mm-hmm. What I found playing Cruel Boys was the opportunity to engage in catastrophic game-losing decisions is far more plentiful, and they occur all over, from deployment all the way until you know the game is actually physically over. Okay, and it can be something as small as taking your super sneaky unit and setting it up here versus there. Okay, you lost yeah. the game. Like literally, your first decision. <laughs> Okay. Oh, no. (laughs) Or deciding, you know, who goes first, roster construction, things like that. Cruel Boys have a very high ceiling, very high ceiling. This book is, you know, that allegiance is very competitive, Mm -hmm. but the floor is very low, very low floor. And the difference between that floor and that ceiling is likely going to be your proficiency as a player to understand all of the different decision points and make the correct one. I mean, I'm sitting here telling you I played a number of games and... In many of them, I felt that my decision-making was off. And as a result, you know, was putting me in bad spots that I was not used to being in. Sure. Bone Splitters, I haven't really sat down and played a game. I haven't put a number of bases out on a table and just been like, oh, okay, this is what this looks like. From a putting it in my head and what these armies kind of may become... That was my suggestion. I think this is going to be a situation like where a number of players that were playing Beasts of Chaos and I was starting to learn kind of that tactic as well with that army, which is just screen to death, screen to death, screen to death, screen to death. Keep your opponent on their side of the table, unable to score any points, and hopefully you know, they're not able to do enough damage to actually beat you. Okay. It's certainly an interesting way to play the game. Sure. But I think Big Wah is the <laughs> one that's going to come in second in terms of what you see most frequently. Okay. And I think the most, at least to start, the most common kind of list that you're going to see is basically an Iron Jaws army with 500 points taken out and Cruel Boys units are put in that place. Okay. It's exactly what most Iron Jaws players are looking for anyway, so it makes sense. I don't think that you're going to see a lot of Cruel Boys main as the Big Wad, just in the way that the Big Wad generates points. You want to be in close with everything all the time and charging. I could see a mix all the way straight across the board. I could see Iron Jaws mixed with some bone split of screens. I think Iron Jaws are almost always going to form either close to the majority or the majority of any big wall list. It, okay. Those scrolls are just so good. Maw Crushers are incredible. They do things well. So, right. and again, so. like I said at the beginning, if you're an orc player, a player that likes, you know, things that are green, this is a book that I'd walk away pretty happy with. So, so far, so good in terms of starting the third edition of Age of Sigmar with the first two battle tomes. Yes. Players of both of them, I think, should be very thrilled. I think they provide interesting new solutions to existing problems mm-hmm. that are out there in the current tournament setting. And they themselves pre- present different, for the most part, compelling questions to be answered by you know the meta and you know the subsequent changes that will resolve around it. So Okay. Great, Ben. Okay, yeah. that's it then. Good stuff. Thank you very much for your thoughts as always. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and listeners, we are done with Greenskin Palooza, and we are going to move on to Scriptorium. Etc. 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 So Scriptorium, uh, new releases, absolutely nothing. Woo! We- oh, sorry, I'm not supposed <laughs> to cheer for that. All we know is that there is going to be another Indominus type book 
I'm assuming by Guy Haley because he's the one who's writing all these. That's going to be out sometime in late November. At least that's what I have seen. So it's going to center around, uh, it's, I think it's called Wolf Time. So there's a lot of speculation about, you know, whether Roos is going to come back or whatever is going to go on with that because that is his thing. And if he doesn't come back during the Wolf Time, then all that lore was wasted. And Aww. so we will see. But that's the only thing that I've seen significant that's supposed to come out recently anyway. Brendan, how about all your stuffs? Yeah, I've really not been listening to anything in particular. I haven't really watched anything other than college football. And here very shortly, it's just going to be NBA basketball as well. Yeah, it's soon. It's starting very soon. With basketball ending later in the year than it did before, I feel like I've been doing nothing but watching sports kind of year round. Uh, <laughs> sure. So, which is what they want you to do. So I yeah, great. I guess. That's so, great. Okay. You know, just listen to the same podcast I've been listening to, you know, oh, so yeah. my usual recommendations, you know, history-based podcasts, sports-based podcasts. Okay. I haven't been listening to any of my audiobooks recently just cuz my time at work really doesn't allow me to sit down and like do that when I'm painting and stuff like that. It's usually in the time slots where sports are on, and so I just set up my tablet and I put the game on in the corner and, and do that. Like I will watch games on silent and listen to things because I'm a monster and try to do three things at once all to varying effect. (laughs) But I have not mastered the ability to paint a model, have a game on, on mute and listen to a podcast or something at the same time. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I I can't do that. I can do two of those things, but not all three. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, I finished Hammer of Demons, which is the third Grey Knights book. I definitely, I think if you're interested in Grey Knights, you could read that story and not have to know all of the background of Alaric and still really, really enjoy the book. If you can just imagine in your mind a Grey Knight trapped on a demon planet. Okay. That, it's just an amazing story. Really, really cool. So I was glad to finish that. So my Rise of the Rangers, that book continues to be read. And so I'm sure I'll make really, really good progress with that. My listens, Hellwinter Gate, the newest, the third really in the Space Wolves series that's not Ragnar. That came out. And so I'm starting to listen to that. Kind of interesting because it's not real action packed so far. They're just building a lot of story and building characters. And there's this same squad that's been there forever. uh, And all three of these stories, they're just kind of building on what they've had before. The other listen that I have is there was a series of books, many books, I think it was 20 plus by a guy named Jack Higgins. And he wrote about, it's fictional, a guy named Sean Dillon. And Sean was a former IRA assassin. IRA because his father was shot by British soldiers in Northern Ireland. He jumped into the IRA thing. And in the first book in the series, he's actually hired because he becomes kind of a an assassin for hire. He's hired by Saddam Hussein to kill the British prime minister. He fails, but he escapes. Hmm. So if you're going, if that sounds, it's it's very 1980s, 90s, probably like post-Soviet type of stuff. And you're interested in that kind of intrigue and those kind of stories. Sean Dillon is just an amazing character. It, it just what he does and what he can do. I would suggest you start with the book Thunder Bay. And not start with the first book because you can do without that part of it because they kind of fill that exposition in in the second book. So think about that one. It's very, very interesting. And it's all audiobooks if you don't want to read. The next thing is I finally got to watch Forgotten Battle on Netflix. 
it was just so good. And it was so good, just like I talked about that really disturbing uh, movie, Come and See. Remember I talked about that, mm-hmm. the Russians and the, the Soviets and the Germans. It was disturbing in that way. The photography was very black and white, very bland palette, very tension-filled, a lot of traumatic experiences but it wasn't what i thought it was going to be and again it was a foreign movie and i'm really enjoying watching foreign movies for some reason really whatever especially war movies like this near the end was where they actually dealt with the battle of the causeway really which is what this is about where the canadian soldiers assaulted this german position but other than that it was really based around three characters there was a dutch girl because this all happened in holland and on the estuary into antwerp because i was mistaken at the time that this happened Antwerp had actually been captured but the Allies couldn't use it because the Germans had closed off this estuary because there were troops and fortresses there so they had to take out these things to be able to get the supplies in through to Antwerp there was a Dutch girl whose father was a doctor who kind of collaborated with the Germans which was interesting for her because she hated the German occupiers there was a German soldier who was Dutch who had enlisted in the German army, it starts his experience on the Russian front. And he ends up getting transferred back to Holland right when this whole thing was happening, Mm. right when Operation Market Garden and this clearing was happening. And then you had a British paratrooper. The, really, the story was about these three characters and the experiences they were having in these different locations. And the beautiful thing about this movie is at one point in the movie, there's this confluence and they are literally all in the same scene in the same building. Hmm. And you think back about where they all started and you're going, how the heck did this get here? How did the writers and the directors and stuff make this all happen? And it wasn't a happy movie. You know, it was... I imagine they're usually not. <laughs> no, this was... It was very disturbing, and it was, again, everybody knows how I feel about Montgomery, but the point is at the very end... (laughs) This is the weirdest through line of all of our shows, is your hatred. I hate this guy, because I just think of the thousands... Why do we talk about this like every three episodes? I I know, I know. (laughs) So the one thing that was interesting was there was a screenshot, and it talked about the number of people, Canadians... Germans and civilians that have been killed because this happened at all. It shouldn't have happened. Mm -hmm. Uh, There were over 10,000 people killed by this pretty much pointless battle that didn't really need to happen. If other things had happened earlier, this wouldn't have never taken place. So that was really interesting that they kind of put that up there. You had a really good perspective than what this all was about. So really, really good. I I would suggest you watch it. Movies? Well, Last Duel... I'm always a sucker, Brendan, for Ridley Scott movies. I think a lot of people are. Most people know who Ridley Scott is. I mean, he did The Martian. You know, he did yeah. the original Alien movie. He's done several movies that people are familiar with. It, it's historically based, and he does a lot of historical fiction. Um, right, like The Time We Went to Mars. Yeah, right. Or one of my favorite movies. Gosh, I can't. Uh, Kingdom of Heaven was really based in historical events. This is interesting because it's based on, it's kind of the end of the 14th century that this took place. You got Matt Damon, you have Adam Driver, which are two very good actors. And we'll see how it goes, but I'm going to go to the theater and watch this just Again, because it's a really Scott movie. We know that in just a few days, we have Critical Role coming back Thursday. Mm-hmm. It's uh, episode one of the third season. Yep. So that's really exciting. And then on Friday, the new Dune comes out. So that's less than a week away. A week from tomorrow, I will be in the theater and I will be watching Dune. I am going to go see it in the theater. I know a lot of people are probably going to watch it on HBO. But from everything I have heard, it is so cinematic that you miss so much if you don't see it in the theater at least first and then watch it somewhere else. So that's all exciting stuff. The last Last thing I wanted to ask you about was, have you heard of or watched Squid Game? I have heard of it. Okay. A number of my coworkers 
are talking about it. And what are they saying? They really like it. And no one's spoiling anything for me. Right. You know, because they ask me, they're like, oh, are you going to watch it? And I'm like, I don't know. I've heard it's very good. I've heard it's very entertaining. It sounds like a show that I got to like sit down and watch, though. I think I'm going to enjoy it. I wasn't going to watch it at first, but then I found out it was a South Korean movie and kind of what it was about. I watched the movie Parasite in the theaters, Mm -hmm. which was a South Korean movie, and it was just excellent. Just so good. The acting was so good. The story was so good. And I'm thinking, you know, this might be the same kind of thing. I like, again, here's foreign film I'm watching. It's just so different. It's not as formulaic, I think, in a lot of ways when I look at these other movies I'm watching, foreign movies, as American movies are. Hmm. You know, you really can't tell how things are going to go. You can't tell how the characters are going to develop or how they're going to end up. You just don't know. There's so much intensity in the emotion and the swings and all the things that happen. So I think I'm definitely going to give it a try. I think it's nine episodes, somebody said. Okay. Uh, so I'm, I'm gonna definitely going to give it a look. So that's it for Scriptorium. Cool. This or that time, Brendan, you choose. You're going first. Minor show closing questions. Like, okay. <laughs> they're solid. They're, okay. They are really solid questions, Dan. Okay, so I got three Sigmar questions and then a couple others. Okay. So the first one is... None of mine are really Sigmar related. Okay. One of them, I guess, kind of is, okay. but this only is, is the byline. This is why we love doing this, because we never know what's coming. The first one is, and they're points equivalent, because mm-hmm. I did check the books. Two vultures or one maw crusher? One maw crusher. Okay. You have a couple of things in this. You have 24 wounds, or 28 wounds versus 18. Mm-hmm. Four up save versus a three up save. Because mm-hmm. if you're taking the Maw Crusher, you're taking the three up save. Sure. The damage ceiling on one Maw Crusher is almost the same as both of those mm-hmm. together. So that's the direction I'm headed. They hit like a freight train, they have staying power. Vultures are more finesse pieces where you're looking to move them into specific locations to do specific things at specific moments in time. Okay. So very different functions. Yes. Okay. All right. Would you take, for roughly equivalent points, I think there's a 20-point difference, but that's it. Mm-hmm. Either Gobsprack, who's the named character on a vulture, or a Vengorian Lord? Oh, that's a good question. I think the Vengorian Lord... I think, though, because the Vangorian Lord has overall more versatility, I think the Vangorian Lord is going to end up in more of my lists than Gobsprack would. Okay. Either Cruel Boys or Big Wah. I think the Vangorian Lord ends up being one of those units that I look at and take and say, you serve these really unique functions that consistently thwart any of my opponents. Okay. Gobsprack does some opponent thwarting, but only in limited capacity. Not much of a fighter. You can, just like the vultures where, you know, you put him into specific locations. You know, the anti-wizard bit, at 300 points though, I think he's just too high. Okay. The unbinding stuff is good. The damage stuff is good. The occasion, you know, the once per game, you know, the 3d6 unbind to do d6 mortal wounds ideally is good. Mm-hmm. It's not 300 points good though. Okay. And then from what you've seen so far and what you've played so far, Mm -hmm. do you believe that, let's say in the next six months, let's give it that time frame, Cruel Boys or Vampires are going to be more competitive? Vampires, the Soul Blight book recently has undertaken a different competitive appearance by players. It has shifted more towards Castellai with a fair number of Blood Knights. 
going towards like a one drop versus the the kind of mm. body field that I was working working with. I think a good chunk of that is in response to the Stormcast book. The list that I was running out against a Stormcast book, I basically automatically lose in a number of those instances. I just don't have the ability to bring firepower to bear either at range or over a surface area. So it's moved towards more Blood Knights kind of an option, which I think is very interesting. Hmm, better though. I'll go out on a limb and say Cruel Boys just because they do have the ranged components. Okay. This is an Adepticon question. Okay. All right. Would you rather stay at the Renaissance or would you rather stay off-site? I think to answer the question completely, I'll need to have stayed at the Renaissance here once to understand the experience. All right. But there have definitely been times where staying off-site, I wish I had been on site, mm-hmm. you know, times where I wish I could, you know, really feel like I could stay and drink and all that, you know, don't drink and drive and just obligatory for anybody who is on the fence about it for some reason. So trying to be safe around your decision making. You know, there's times where I, you know, I would have preferred to have just kind of hung out with my buddies and had, you know, maybe more than a responsible amount of drinks and, right. you know, just gone Stumbled up to the to room. room. And, yeah, yeah. At the end of it. I'm not much of a drinker. So yeah. The number of instances where I feel like I've missed out are pretty limited. So I like staying off-site, you know, for the cost reduction. Oh, sure. I would say without the experience of being on-site, I will take the experience that I have continued to opt for year over year. Okay. And say off-site. Okay. Mm-hmm. Chinese food. Okay. We're going totally different place. Sure. You are choosing a Chinese restaurant that only serves Chinese food with chicken or only serves Chinese food with beef. Hmm. This ends up in my trying Chinese food philosophy decision matrix. I have one of these because I'm a normal human being just like the rest of you. Sure. Whenever I'm trying a new Chinese food place, I get chicken-based dishes first. Okay. Because I, for some reason, have found to be that even if I didn't particularly like that restaurant, that the chicken-based dishes were regularly better. Okay. And if I like a place enough and I go back, you know, for seconds and third visits or whatever. Sure. That's when I venture into the beef or pork side of the menu. Okay. Where I think it can be a little more hit or miss. In a vacuum, I'd say the chicken part of the menu. Okay. If I know it's a place that I really like... I would say the beef part of the Experiment menu. a little bit more. Right. Okay. But if this is just, hey, Brendan, Chinese food restaurant, blind entry, and I go, well, I have to go with the thing that I have proved at least experientially to, to be relatively true. Okay. That's it. That's okay. my five. Sports, 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 okay. sports, largely right. is what, what we've got here. Dan, your team and my team is out of the World Series. You are a Brewers fan. I am a White Sox fan. We both lost in the way that we kind of thought we were going to lose. Yeah. Your team did not have enough hitting, and my team did not have enough pitching. Who wins out of the remaining four teams? Atlanta. Okay. I'll pick Atlanta. You know, Cindy asked, well, are you rooting for the Dodgers? I kind of am from the perspective that I grew up with the Dodgers. I've talked about many times when I used to go there in high school in Dodgers games. But if I have to pick who's going to win, I think Atlanta has the ability to go the distance. Mm -hmm. I really do. Which is fine. I'm happy for them, and there's some players on their team that are just great. Okay. You know, Freddie Friedman for one, you know, with his hitting. And it was fun to see him, even though it was against the Brewers, do what he did. Okay. Saturdays belong to college football, Dan. Yes, that's true. For those who watch college football yes. regularly. One of my favorite bits about college football is that chaos reigns regularly. Mm-hmm. Yesterday. It sounds like the podcast you listen to. <laughs> yeah. 
yesterday, yes. my Purdue Spoiler Makers toppled number two Iowa mm-hmm. at the Hawkeye Dome. Which is amazing. Yeah, it's not called the Hawkeye Dome, but it's at the Hawkeye Dome. It's amazing. Purdue has the most wins against AP top two teams as an unranked team. That is unrelated to my question here. Of course. Just something that you all need to know and now. you like to say these things. It's yeah. why they're the spoiler makers. Yes, of course. Once a year, they will ruin your season for no reason other than you showed up. But we ruin our own season every other week for no reason other than we showed up. Who is the next team to take a massive upset? You mean to, to suffer a massive To suffer upset. a massive upset, yes. So right now you have number one ranked Georgia. Yes. Number two ranked Cincinnati. I haven't looked at the rest of the poll, but you've got, you know, an Oklahoma up there. You've got an Alabama up there. You know, you've got a Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, Oklahoma State. Yeah. A lot of states. Oh, Brendan. I, the way they're playing Alabama. Okay. I think they're vulnerable. Just what I've seen. They're more mortal than they have yeah, been in yeah, years past. Exactly. Now, Tuesday night, the Milwaukee Bucks host the opening game of the NBA season yes. against the Brooklyn Nets. And by the way, that Bucks utah game was amazing. The preseason game yes. was pretty good. Which was cool because we talked about them being the ones that make it to the finals this year. Well, that's exactly my question, Dan. <laughs> Who is in the NBA finals? Okay, Dan says... Because Dan, this is what Dan wants. Mm-hmm. He wants the Bucks to play the Jazz. Okay. That's what I want. Okay. And unlike previous times when I have no idea what I'm talking about, and I would have picked two teams from the same conference to be in the finals, I know what I'm talking about this time. All right, terrific. I know they can play each other. All right. <laughs> For my next two questions, I have to get into character here. So, Oh, God, don't do, this, don't do the Chicago guy again. Now, I don't know what you're talking about here, Dan. The... <laughs> You are going to be eating a lovely, light Chicago lunch. Are you having an Italian beef sandwich or a Polish sausage? I'm having a Polish sausage. That is the wrong question, Dan. (laughs) You have an Italian beef sandwich with Polish sausage in it. All right, on to the next question. You have to play and win a game of Age of Sigmar to save your life. Yes. All right, you you can play whatever army you want. You have to play the game against... Michael Jordan, prime Michael Jordan. This is 1997 Chicago Bulls, Michael Jordan, or Mike Ditka. You think you can beat Mike Ditka in a game of X's and O's and strategies with your Alex and Joe's? Yes, I do. With my Sigma army, yes. This is ridiculous. (laughs) I have never been so insulted in my life. That's it. We're going to close. (laughs) Okay. All right. There is something going on around here. Something you may not even know about. So it's show close time, and Brendan has some news for us. What is news? So relevancy, you know, side. We'll get to the more interesting stuff last because I like making people suffer. Some stuff for a Middle-Earth strategy game, the Fall of the Necromancer release. Woo, yay. You know, I don't think we ever talk about it other than... Here, two new Blood Bowl heroes, a Ooh. Adeptus Titanicus model, Ooh. some Koyo pin badges, Ooh. a Marvel comic book, mm. a chibi advent calendar for Warhammer oh. 40k. Chibis, yeah. The Accursed Book. I don't know what that's about. It looks like a horror book. So the thing that you care about, Age of Sigmar, up for pre-order Saturday, Bastion, the Night Relictor, Vanquishers, Vigilors, Praetors, Annihilators, Vindictors, Manskewer Bolt Boys, 
and Hobgratz. Holy mother. The dragons are expected to be released sometime in December. Oh, man. Mm. Merry Christmas. That's still a lot of stuff next week. Holy mutt. Yep. Okay. Yeah, it's a fair few amount screaming of stuff. Screaming wallets. They're already screaming. Well, thank you, Brendan. Yeah, you're for bringing that up. That's very good news, actually, for those who have waited several weeks for anything. I like that they said when they are expecting the stuff that wasn't released here. Right. Yeah. It's all about communication and, and doing that all that. That is important. All right. So that's Sunday release news. And then episode 84, which will be coming to you in a couple of few weeks, will be Dragonfall and RockCon Adventures. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about what we did and what we saw and the joyfulness that is both of those events and that'll be it for 84 and 85 we will see time yeah. will tell hopefully things we'll change a, a lot hopefully we'll have another battle tome you know by then and if not you know we'll figure it out right? as always i want to as we close the show brent i want to thank all the listeners we have had some really amazing growth just in the last six months you know as things kind of opened up and stuff but we really really appreciate i know i say this and you're like dan just stop but we do we appreciate we don't understand sometimes when we kind of laugh and talk about it that people actually listen to the show brendan but we really appreciate you all and the fact that you take your time to listen to us and you know spend some time with us we truly truly appreciate that so thank you each and every one brendan thank you as always for bringing your expertise and your craziness to the table my terrific chicago (laughs) very thick chicago accent that was worth the price of admission right there (laughs) i guess It's and very rare that I get to take off my mask of normal person accent. This is how I really talk yeah. in private. I mean, now we got a third personality. We got you. We got NPR Brendan. Now we got Chicago Brendan. Okay. Well, Chicago Brendan is me. It's it's regular other Brendan that you I know, suppose the, this is my real self <laughs> right. is what we're learning. You can yeah. catch me on HVAC Talk with Jacob Barry and Joe Pagano, uh, <laughs> where we talk about your favorite kinds of HVACs, installations, and maintenancing. Yeah, right. There you go. Uh, Listeners, <laughs> we uh, hope you have a good couple weeks till we talk to you again. You guys stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you next time around. Bye. This is the end.